0: Do consider speeding up with settings to consume this content in a fraction of the time.
1: Newbie Dice Podcast
2: Hi, I'm Adam Ballard. U.S. representative on this podcast today.
3: Hi, Yan Lai. I'm a player in Melbourne, Australia. Jeff
4: Trash from Sydney, Australia, and uh, always happy to join Paige. So uh, looking forward to the discussion.
0: Awesome. And we have myself, Paige, from Singapore. And today we have a star of the cast. We have two masters, am I right? We have Adam and Jeff from two different continents. And of course, Yen is quite a pro player himself. I've uh, fought him at, at least twice, I think.
3: I'm not so and sure about so- the pro bit, but uh, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I represent the every man's perspective on this podcast. Yes. Two, and uh, a very good painter as well. Also,
0: <laughs> so So uh, first up, Newbie Dice is on its fourth episode. And this episode, we're gonna talk about the changes to the big red book. And we have some pros and semi pros at least to weigh in on this i'm sure yen is quite a pro player but and so before we start off let's have each of you just give a little bit of background on yourself a little bit of your gamer origin story and your credentials all right so we'll start things off in the same order so we'll have adam do introduce yourself uh, hi, guys. I'm Adam
2: Ballard from Omaha, Nebraska, here in the United States. Uh, I've been playing Kings of War since the uh, downfall of Warhammer, so I'm a Warhammer refugee, as we like to call them. I've um, been playing war games for quite a long time, but uh, love my Kings of War Uh, In the King's of War community, I'm uh, one of the representatives for the U.S. Masters Council. Um, So I try to uh, keep everybody informed and uh, give the people what they want when it comes to U.S. Masters. Uh, And I happen to be the winner of the previous year's U.S. Masters. So um, that's my biggest highlight of my life. There we go. On to YAM. (laughs) Awesome.
3: Thanks, Adam. Yeah, uh, like yeah, I said before, I'm from Melbourne, Australia. Um, I've been playing Kings for about, I think it's about five, coming up to five years now. Um, I was a old Warhammer fantasy player as well, um, but I, I reckon I had a bit of a break between seven and eight, so I kind of stopped towards the, the start of eight, and didn't really play much of eighth edition in fantasy, and then uh, yeah, I did all the all my all the other stuff in life, and then. Uh, had kids and then realized like I will be stuck at home for a little bit. So I decided to pick uh, painting back up and uh, some of my old mates from Warhammer got me back into, got me into Kings. Uh, yeah. I've been, and I've been sort of hooked ever since. Um, yeah. So I've been playing war games for, I guess, over 20 years, I guess since I was a teenager. Um, Usually just in fantasy, uh, you know, doing a lot of painting. I just always enjoyed the hobby. Uh, but, yeah, that's pretty much that's my, my credentials. I don't think I really have any credentials, like unlike Jeff and Adam. <laughs> I did a bit of play testing uh, uh, on behalf of Mantic for the past two release, past couple of years um, so far. Uh, I think I'm an okay player, uh, but I uh, wouldn't really sort of be... Um,
0: Blowing my own horn too much in that sense. <laughs> being being a little bit humble there, but I think you tend to finish on at least on the top half of every tournament that you're in. And more interestingly, I think uh, you've been in Singapore for a while, so do tell us more about that.
3: Yeah, I was well. I was actually born in Malaysia, and I spent about thirteen years in Singapore um until i was about 16 and then i moved to australia and then i've been, been in australia ever since uh yeah so i spent a lot of time in singapore love the country love the people love the food uh, it's a great place to be um yeah i started playing war games in singapore i'm not sure whether i'm not sure how old you are page but um um i was there when i think warhammer came in games workshop came into singapore and then left it within a yeah. few
0: years it closed I'm 26 a years. are you around my age
3: yeah yeah that's right so you would be you would be there when mm. when um when uh when that happened Um uh, but yeah so i started i started playing when uh gw came into singapore i guess when i was about probably
0: 14 or something when that when that came in uh but yeah yeah so that's that was my time in singapore was good awesome then you Glad to have you on the show. And if you ever stop by to Singapore, do drop me a message and we'll catch up over some games. Yeah, I'm sure I I will. Definitely. And next up we have our Australian master, Jeff.
4: Yeah, I'm another Warhammer refugee. Been playing for about 20 something years, I suppose, uh, with uh, Fantasy, uh, War Machine, and then Kings of War. And uh, Kings of War... Uh, hands down has been my favourite. Love the people in it, love the game, the rule set. Um, always enjoy getting in and playing. That's that's my number one thing. I'm not as well known for painting or anything, but <laughs> I love <laughs> playing. I love playing. And now I've got, as I was explaining, I've got lots of kids and they all do different things, and one of them's a very good painter and he's getting into Kings of War now, so uh, you'll be expecting to see some new
0: armies coming out. Well, that, nice, job, so. the ultimate plan to get someone <laughs> to your yeah,
4: with, with tournaments, I've won three of the last four Masters in Australia, uh, so current at the moment, and uh, yeah, won most all the major ones in Australia that have run at one time or another. But, um,
3: yeah, always
4: looking forward to the next game.
3: It's, it's usually the surprise when Jeff doesn't win. So that's kind of how consistent he is, you know.
0: (laughs) Awesome. So thank you, Jeff. And Jeff and I go a little bit while back because he's one of the first supporters of my battle reports. Actually, he started watching and dropped me a private message saying that he enjoys my battle reports and technical analysis. And so we started to play some games together. And yeah, it's been pretty close.
1: Yeah. yeah uh, but sometimes.
0: he edged out on me. I think the scores were like um three, two, and two draws or something like that. Uh, you can catch all of them on my channel. And so just a quick one about myself. I started wargaming only 10 years ago when I started working, because war war games is quite quite an expensive hobby. <laughs> so only when I started working did I get into war games. And I started with one year of Warhammer Fantasy 8th edition. So The last edition was where I came in. I played it for one year. I didn't really like it because uh, locally we are playing the ETC format and I didn't like that each faction is shoehorned to a certain role. And so like if I play this army, I'm playing this role. That's it. So I find I don't know what's the point. So then I started to play uh, War Machine and Horde. So I went quite heavy into that for three years. And after that, I was a bit burned out by that game. It was full of gotchas like oh you gotta remember that this new character gives this a two inch charge buff so it's like putting this out of charge range. no it's gets it gets charged and then i lose the game so it's like uh don't really enjoy that anymore so i was looking at kings and i dived into kings it was a second edition uncharted empires was in beta testing at that time so yeah that's my wargamer credentials um I've taken part in quite a few, because I'm from Singapore, right? We have a strong but small community. I think we have uh, 20 plus players that move in and out of the game. But if we were to hold an event, maybe eight eight to 10 people will show up. And so I like to play competitively. So I've been participating in the last few call to arms tournaments. Played pretty well in a few of them. Um, But now life has hit me hard with two children, two, two, two kids to the knee. And I have been having trouble to keep playing as much as I had. But uh, that's how life is. I'm still quite uh, involved in the game, quite liking this game, and hence this podcast is born. So let's talk about The Big Red Book. Okay, so we'll start off with uh, some high-level changes to take note of, and then we'll go into details. And by the way, I'll be uploading this onto YouTube, and youtube and podcast so you can watch it in both formats on youtube you'll just see our handsome and ugly faces we'll leave <laughs> it up to you to decipher which is which okay <laughs> and um yeah so i try not to display stuff on video so that you come out pretty much the same on podcast so in terms of high level changes to this book we have smart charges that means when you charge units on multiple flanks you are able to um shift in a way that you could fit all the units in. Okay, we'll go through in detail later. Most of the heavy cavalry regiments with uh, like 16 attacks and Tundra's Charge 2, they got a little bit cheaper. Um, ignores cover. In the last edition, it has changed a bit that it doesn't ignore all types of cover. So it doesn't ignore cover when you're in terrain, namely forests and uh, water. So now they kind of uh, codify it a bit further by splitting it into ignore-obscure or ignore-concealed. Okay, most of the ballistas in the games got a little bit cheaper. Some of them got extra rules. And in the allies segment, they did say that it is not recommended in competitive format. And the biggest, most controversial change of them all is that withdrawal is now optional. (laughs) Right. So I think everyone has uh, some things to say about that. So we'll go get to that very shortly. Um, first up, let's talk about charges. There's a lot of diagrams in the charges right now. And some of them were ported over from the FAQ. So that really helps in clarifying a lot of uh, situations. Let's see proximity and any new diagram. So multiple charges against the same target. So especially on different flanks, I really like how they've written it. They say that, you know, you only slide them off center to accommodate another unit in a different flank. And only if that's the only way to complete the charge. So there is no ambiguity there. If you can complete it without sliding it off center, you do that. If you have to slide one of the sides off center, you do that so that you can fit it in. So what do you guys think of this change?
4: Yeah, I think it's a good change number of times you get into those multiple charges and you're trying to go one way and then trying to move another unit to go into it. And uh, this just makes it so much cleaner, so much simpler
2: to do. Yeah, absolutely. I think that uh, my favorite thing about this change is it actually uh, slightly buffs certain types of units that I want to see more of in general, Uh, mainly horde units like infantry hordes, cavalry hordes. Um, or even legions of that type, usually those are pretty unwieldy and very difficult to get into combats and manage multiple combats with. But with the change to this, I think that you're going to see a lot more uh, possibilities come up that will allow them to get into combats when before they wouldn't have been able to.
3: Yep, definitely. Yeah, I agree with everyone's comments i think it's a good change i think it makes it simpler it makes you know it's easier to explain it to new players as well when you you don't have to say okay you got to declare in this particular order before you you know you, you get your charges all in you know um, i think i think it's a good it's a good change I, I did wonder whether you can deliberately cause shuffling you know so um m- move your charges in a way that that particular order will result in a a favorable shuffle for you or favorable endpoint of of a unit uh it Mm -hmm. hasn't come up for me yet but i think it it is a possibility i I don't know if that's a bad thing or necessarily bad or good thing but
2: i think it could come up um i think it's a great thing (laughs) because it just adds an extra layer of tactics to the game uh while also simplifying the rules uh like you said yeah
0: yeah. yeah. To, to add on to Yen's question is that yes, there are sometimes two ways to resolve it. So if you charge the front first, the front will shuffle off center and then the flank comes in. If you charge the flank first, the sh- flank will shuffle off center and then the front comes in. But that being said, even with before this new change, it is still the same thing, right? When you charge the flank first, followed by the front, or the front first followed by the flank, you will end up in two different board states. So this is not something that spawns something new and it doesn't it didn't spawn a new problem right it's still the same if you it's just that you can slide off center now yeah yeah right. i guess for my, i was just thinking
3: more along the lines of if you move uh so not not a particular combat if you if you if you move a separate movement a separate mm. unit so you move a particular unit before you declare that particular charge
1: mm.
3: prior to this rule happening you would you know, there was only one way to do it, only one way to get them in. So you would have to declare it in that particular order. Mm. But with the new rule, you could essentially move certain things in a particular order to ensure that you, yeah, you get a particular outcome, right? Which, look, I don't think it's a bad thing. You know, I yeah. think overall it sim- simplifies things. But as I think as Adam says, you know, it provides a level of complexity for people who are playing it at advanced level, you know. So I don't, I don't think it's necessary. Yeah, bad. It's,
0: like, it's like putting that standard barrier in the forest so that your unit dodges it.
3: Uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. But I, I, just based on the wording, which I think the wording deliberately says, unless it's otherwise unable to, if, if it's otherwise unable to complete the charge, that's when you shuffle. So I wonder whether people will argue, you know, oh, if you didn't move this unit first, then you could complete it without shuffling, but only because you did this first, that causes it to shuffle. I don't know if people will argue that, that you know, rules lawyer situation. Well, that answers
1: but, yeah. well, helpful, it. Well.
2: How yeah, because, because uh, it also, in multi-charges in general, it states that you decide in the order in which they move, and you move them to their final position. So when you're multi-charging, you move what you want to move, and the final position's already predetermined because of how they physically can fit. If they physically can't fit in the final position, then it's not a legal charge. Um, so I think that you can use that to kind of counter
0: what you were saying. Uh, there. Mm.
3: Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think we don't have to worry about that part. It's always been played like this. You can move all the stuff before you start declaring the charge. And only when you declare the charge, all the conditions are being, uh, being checked at that moment. That, that's true. That's true. Yeah. 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 All right. So next up is the most controversial change of them all, which is, Withdraw is now optional and also if you were to play with the withdraw rules you get a minus one to hit when you're declaring a new charge after withdrawing. Okay, so first up, let's uh, Let's go around the table and see Are you in favor of playing with or without withdraw and your comments on that afterwards? So let's start things off with Jeff. What do you think?
4: Uh, I'd rather keep the withdraw rule personally. I think it adds to it. A lot of people complain about gotcha movements. To me, that's just not looking far enough ahead. I've got caught out myself, and that's fine. I I look at it and say, well, I should have looked better at the position and realised that that could have happened. So uh, I think it uh, adds to the game having withdrawal rule. But, uh, yeah, that's my opinion on it. Mm -hmm.
0: Um, Even when I played against Jeff, there was once. In early third edition, I got caught out by the withdrawal rules. I moved my unit just past the front arc of uh herder, but because he withdrew one inch, I'm um, back in his arc, and he charged it in the front.
4: I think we both got caught caught each other in one game
3: <laughs> or another. I'm sure.
0: Well, that was part of the game. But uh, all right, let's yeah. uh, move to Yen. What do you think?
3: Yeah, look, I think for 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 most of us who've been playing with this rule for quite a number of years now, I think we're all used to it. So I I like it. I like I like the the tactical aspect of thinking about it and using it myself. Um, so I'm happy that uh, you know to keep it, and I'm also happy for the neg one. I think it's a you know it's a sensible change. It applies a penalty. Um, it is slightly um, annoying. I think that a unit can. Especially not so much a corkscrew charge like a nimble unit, but a unit that just so happens to withdraw and can pivot ninety to go into a flank of a, another one and then kill it and then turn around again. It, it is slightly illogical, I agree. Uh, but you know, if we're talking from a game perspective, a game mechanic and a game um, like uh, flavor and complexity, you know, I, I, I think it's fine. I think you get used to it and I think you work around it, right? Um, so I'm happy to keep it myself but i do i do recognize the issue that you know i think the, the the optional um withdrawal rule came in because mantic were in favor of getting rid of it because when they were demonstrating the game to new players um it became a problem when you had to say okay you know units of this particular size because of the geometry you can go back an inch and you can, it's you know it's a it's a rule that came up as a result of the geometric shapes that you know it was embedded in the game so it wasn't a deliberate result of any sort of game design it just worked out that way right and it, it is hard to explain to newbies and when it was pulled on me when I first started playing it did feel a bit like oh well that was that was gross I just put a I put a unit right in front of you and you just like went around it and, and killed my unit just you know that was like that was an odd that's an odd mechanic but you get used to it you know, so from my my from my argument, you know, if you play the game long enough, you learn to you learn to love it. <laughs> but uh, but I get it. You know, if people get turned off from that mechanic, you know, before they even get started playing the game, and it sort of discourages people from coming in, then you know, fair enough. You know, and conversely, I think if it was gone, I think people would just get used to that too, right? I think you'll come up with you'll come up with other strategies again to 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 play with without that rule, right? Because you know, yeah. so yeah. So I, look, I, I'm happy to have gone both ways. I'm happy it's staying. I like the, I like the, I like the rule. I don't think it should have been kept optional because I think it just confuses people. Then because it's like, you know, you play online and it's like, oh, do you, are we playing with draw? Are we not playing with draw? And then you forget because you're so used to playing with one and the other. And then, <laughs> and then you forget when you're playing, you know, in the other scenario. So I think they should have just made a decision one way or the other. I think people would have gotten used to it. Uh, I don't think it's that controversial. I don't think, you know. Either way would have destroyed the game, you know. To be honest, but but that's yeah, that's my opinion.
0: All right, let's uh, go on to Adam now.
2: Um, I mean, I I agree with both Jeff and uh, Jan here. I I love the withdrawal rule. I think it's embedded in the game tactically, and uh, I've played games without it. Um, I play tested this uh, when they were discussing the whole process of potentially removing it. Um, and unfortunately, the game just got very stale. Um, it became a game of what units better. Okay, I'm gonna. They're just gonna hit each other in the front, and we're just stuck there and rolling dice until it's over. Mm-hmm. Um, it it just without the withdrawal rule, the tactical options are very limited, um, and it also limits many other things outside the game. Um, the, outside the actual just combat. Um, so, one of the big things that I found was you can't just um, side shuffle a unit out of the way. So, it, it happens uh, quite often where you just don't want this unit to be, you have another unit behind the one that's in combat. You want to get the unit behind into the combat, but the unit in front is still there. So, you withdraw and then sidestep, and the other unit can get in. Um, if, if you're playing the option without Withdraw, you can't side shuffle and get that unit out of there. It's stuck. There's no way of leaving unless you just have it die. Um, so I, I'm a fan of it because the, the tactics that come with it. Um, I think that uh, in the future, if Withdraw is removed, uh, you know potentially fourth edition down the line, I, I think they just need to incorporate other rules that provide the tactical options that aren't currently in the third edition rule set to support a non-withdraw game. So, um, And uh, I, I really love the minus one to hit that they added into it. I think that's a, a great change. Um, I wish they went even further though because units don't need to withdraw in order to hit something else in a different combat. If you're on a square base and you're nimble, or if you're on a chariot size base where you're deeper than you are wider, you're going to be able to charge other units that you can see, uh, you know, over top of the unit you're currently in uh, without even withdrawing and avoid that negative one penalty. Um, So I think that you're going to see kind of a rise in those types of units potentially because of that factor. Um, And, but I, I really do like the the rule uh, the wording it affects units that are being surged as well, Um, Mm -hmm. so I think they they hit it on the head with that I just wish that they didn't limit it to withdraw I wish they added just disengage. Uh, I'd like to have yeah, the Nimble 40,
3: 50 mils. Yeah,
2: yeah, exactly. Yeah. So
3: oh, look, I think Adam, you're Empire of Dust player as well. I think And so. Uh, yep. if, 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 uh, you know, that's one of my that's one of my main armies, and I think without withdrawal, it really, it really cans the surge mechanic. You know, because um surge yeah. really needs that flexibility of being staying away from that by that one inch and then surging back in and finding mm-hmm. flanks, and then you you know, I think. Look, I haven't really tried it heaps enough, I would say. Like, you know, I've, there were a few games playing Empire Dust without the withdrawal. Um, and, yeah, it really changes the army, the mechanics of the army. And you're, you're left with trying to get really long surges, like, you know, which is not something I like to rely on anyway. I think surges should be one inch, two inch max, yep. <laughs> you know, if, before you, you rely on it. And if you're going for the long surge into a flank just based on the angle, know it changes the army significantly and i i I personally think it reduces that power level of of um your empire of dust and i don't think of dust have been like sort of um you know dominating events anyway so um yeah you know you know i think i think it's as you say adam i think you know if if they'd remove it that there should be there needs to be a tweak to maybe the proximity to enemy rule um Mm -hmm. how how units function with you know staying within one inch um you know yeah. or potentially i think as well you know my, what a good compromise might be would be embedding it into the maybe the nimble special rule um the be, ability to withdraw you know it doesn't break people's immersion right it's like like calves and <laughs> and nimble yeah. things can pull away and, and and get out of combat to fight something else that sort of makes sense you know, but yeah, uh, I, but yeah,
2: I I really like that. I really like that yeah. idea that Nimble would allow you uh, other options if, again, if withdraw is removed in the future. I think that's a very good um, possibility to uh, incorporate in a future edition.
0: Yeah, so I've actually been uh, silently observing all the discussions on withdraw over the past few weeks on Fanatics and whatnot. And yeah, I tried to attack this from a game design point of view. I think the main problem with withdrawal is not in the cockscrew or charging things in the flank, uh, the, 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 the guy that's next to you, but it's that it is often confused with disengage. And the terminology sounds very similar from an English language perspective. And the a lot of players, Newbies or even veteran players who don't play that often or they don't really uh, read into the minutiae of the rules, they often get confused with these two terms. And then, like when you have to explain to them, hey, this is disengage. Disengage is the act of getting out of engagement. Withdraw is that free one-inch bounce back. And then they're like, oh, I didn't know that. And then if if they will have to come to this realization in the game, it might uh, not sit well with them. So that's that's one of the main problems of withdrawal. And so for people who say you know, let's eliminate withdrawal because of corkscrew charges. Well, that's that's not the solution because like Adam has alluded earlier, your square bases can still charge, can still do um, corkscrew shenanigans, or even just charge turn ninety degrees and charge something beside you. Same for chariot bases or anything that's deeper than it is wider. And so it becomes rarer now and it will catch more people off when it actually do happen. I don't mind that it's making square bases and chariot bases stronger because they are less represented in the game anyway. Because uh, Kings of War, a lot of times... (laughs) Jeff disagrees, though.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know what my
2: armies are like. <laughs> um, I was going to say, at least at the uh, higher competitive levels, you see a lot of them because of the ability to uh, maneuver more easily than other units. So, uh, Monster I mean, bases,
0: right?
2: Yeah. Mon- <laughs> square square bases or chariot bases. They, yeah. they can do things that others can't.
1: Yeah. No Movement over my, power
2: my night stalker list that i won um masters with um it it had uh let me count here two four six uh, it had eight square bases that were all nimble
1: Mm. And,
2: and that's not a not by coincidence so
1: yeah, yeah, I guess. I think monster.
3: Jeff you said nine, right? The recent Varango list? Uh, the
4: one I won convict with had nine and the one I won the last tournament had seven.
3: Yeah. And it's very and it's very difficult to beat with a you know conventional list, you know, like um <laughs> you know, when you're running that many small nimble scoring units that, you know, are usually a 15-17 defense five at least, you know, that that sort of, you know, sort of ballpark nerve. Yeah. Just, just too many units to deal with um, in that amount of turns that you have. I think.
0: Yeah, I guess monsters and uh, large infantry heroes are the square bases that are really very popular, and to some extent maybe titans or chariot heroes. But I'm also more thinking like chariot legions. They are so long and big. Big footprints are usually not very uh, popular. Popular. Is, yeah, those. Yeah, agree. and I'm thinking more along the lines of infantry hordes versus like a large infantry horde. The large infantry horde is like the favorite favorite footprint of this entire game since second to turn edition for big units, like units with lots of attacks. So the geometric shape was one of the reasons. So um, if we can pull away some some of the strengths from the large infantry horde size, I think I'm fine with that. So back to uh, withdraw. So, so, I think the issue is with withdraw and disengage. I, um, I think why the RC or Mantic is making it uh, optional, because it's because I think they want to get rid of withdrawal, but they just want to let leave it out there and see what people think about it and then make a decision based on people's reaction and where the where the general community is heading towards. So let the community sort itself out. What I would appreciate is that they release a statement on this, but they they never did. So they say, hey, look, withdrawal is a little bit clunky. We are thinking of removing it, but uh, right now it's optional. You guys can try it out and let us know which one you prefer. And we'll look into it again of addition. And if they release, a statement like that, whether through Mantic directly or through the RC, I would uh, appreciate that a lot. And I think it would uh, cause less controversy in the forums. And yeah, I think communication (laughs) is a little bit key here.
2: So um, might be a little insider information, but my understanding um, of what withdraw, I don't think they had enough time for this book, but I think what they want to have done with withdraw and other rules that may be uh, what they're calling advanced rules is have uh, a similar layout to what they have in Armada. I don't know if any of you guys are familiar with Armada, but one of the big things that I really like about the game is they have um, effectively what they call the beginner rule set. And then they have the advanced rules Um, so beginner rule set is great for entry level players, just getting into the game, wanting to learn, uh, and just kind of roll some dice, see if they like the game. And then the advanced rules are a couple of, uh, more optional, basically tactical rules that add more depth to the game, um, but aren't necessary in order to play the game with the base rule set. So I think what, what Mantic wants to, or what I I personally would like to see is Kings of war have a basic rule set and then the advanced rules, uh, with, which withdrawal would be included in that potentially other rules that may become more of a controversy or, um, I know it's been said like gotcha moments. So I think they want to make it very simple for people to get into the game of Kings of war. Um, and I know that ambush, it sounds like is, uh, Uh, a lot of people have liked uh, the sounds of that so they they might do something like that we're breaking up ambush as like the beginner rule set and then advanced rules with the kings of wars Um, so I I think that's what they want to do I don't think they started that roadmap early enough in the process of the big red book here um, but I'm hoping that it cleans up in fourth edition so that like you said, Paige, we have a little bit more clear understanding of what is intended for these rules versus just putting it in there and saying optional.
3: Mm. Yeah, that seems like a logical thing to do if we're keeping it. Yeah, and I think one of the complaints that I've read as well is the fact that it's not articulated in the rule book about how to do it, um, how like whatever corkscrew in the withdrawal charge situation um, is actually meant to be, which is, I guess, a fair point. You know, look, I think for people who've come from games, workshop games, um, there's always been a legacy of these sort of tactics where people have figured out, you know, whether it's like stringing things in a line or whatever else to, to get particular combos off. Right. And this is no different. But, you know, I think if we if we are going to if they're going to aim towards an accessible game, you know, Kings of War is not that complex. That they I think they, that they can't articulate each of these sort of tactics that people have essentially uncovered as a result of play. Um yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. You know, it
2: might satisfy everyone
3: really <laughs> with doing
2: Absolutely. that. Absolutely. And
1: yeah, one
0: they, thing I wanna point out, or you're probably gonna mention this page. Go ahead. Um they did add a note on page 18 regarding disengage that they might you no know, this this means some units might be able to leave a fight and attack something else. So this will be typically large monsters and titans with square bases that can see over obstacles and to other more juicy targets. So uh, no diagrams, but just (laughs) a warning message, basically. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So I I think that, you know, is good and all, but it it could have been more. Uh, I appreciate the the effort that it's clarifying that, yes, they can do this, uh, but it's not really explaining how that can be done. So, you know, a newer player reading that rule is going to be kind of scratching their head and probably be like, ah, well, I'm not going to worry about it. And then it's going to happen to them on the tabletop at some point, And they'll eventually go back and realize, oh, now I understand. Um, so,
3: yeah, I mean, I don't really I don't really uh, see the problem with finding out in game. I mean, it's a game, right? It's not like you yeah, play for sheep stations right off the bat. You know, learning the game. You know, you learn the game. It gets pulled on you, and you and you don't let it. And you basically know a know a new rule, and you use it yourself next turn. I don't. I don't really see why it's such a big problem to have a gotcha pulled on you. I mean, unless your opponent's yeah. really nasty about it. You know, I mean, yeah, it, yeah true. Yeah, it's like seems. Every
4: game's I think, learning experience. Uh, yeah. uh, right. and you help. I mean, you help the
2: newer players with it anyway. Mm, right. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know anybody that can read a rule book and then go and uh, effectively apply all the rules they just read onto a table. Uh, mm. The best way you learn is by di- playing it, doing it, seeing it, having it done against you is probably the fastest way to
0: learn.
4: Yeah, and discussing it while you're doing it too. Mm.
0: Absolutely. Mm, um, I do think if they were to keep the withdrawal rules uh, for the next edition. And like uh, what Adam had said, uh, the minus one shouldn't just be applied on withdrawal. or r- should rather be if you charge a different target rather than countercharging, then that would also fairly impact the square basis. Everyone.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I do think if withdrawal is to stay in the fourth edition, it do require a little bit more tweaking. The withdrawal rules as of now or as of just before this big red book where it was totally rewritten in the errata. It is clean, meaning that it's not, there aren't any ambiguous situations. You know exactly how to resolve it, but it's not elegant, right? So firstly, um, yeah, you can only withdraw if only after withdrawing, everything else is, every enemy is out of one inch of you. And then they added this weird condition that's very unintuitive, which is that you cannot advance or at the double, oh, yeah. After withdrawing, yeah, yeah. and that mm. is like a rule just to curb search armies, but it's very strange and unintuitive. How come I mm. can't do these two actions? Especially if you're charged from the side, and you're gonna bounce back, and there's nothing in front of you, and you can't walk forward. So it's like mm. strange in that aspect.
2: Yeah, that that's the EOD buster right there, right? Young? Yeah.
3: Yeah, hundred percent.
2: Yeah, I think I don't, I think it shaved off i don't know what percentage but
3: good 20 percent of efficiency out of the army by not being able to do that to be honest um yeah, yeah. it was huge when that came in and that, to be honest like i'm not sure how many people actually remember to do it nowadays because i think people still get caught out by that that caveat um
0: yeah, they can't move forward yeah
3: can't move forward yeah, yeah. you know unless you're a dedicated yeah. search player mm.
2: yeah unfortunately that uh addition or that FAQ came out, uh, like two weeks before us masters, not this year, but two years ago. Um, and I had already submitted my EOD army for that masters that year. And, uh, my two bone giants were pretty sad that year. So. Mm.
3: <laughs> bone giants. Yeah. They like, I love the bone giants myself. You know, I think they're, oh, yeah. they're a great piece, but yeah, that, that one change, not allowing Vance, um, and now the nick want to hit uh, and potentially yeah. removing withdraw like yeah it's you know it's actually like a triple nerf to that particular how that particular piece can be used in the game which is which is huge like it's huge
2: yeah you know? and yeah. i i mean shobik is basically a just a bigger batter bone giant and mm. so he's a expensive piece to be playing with right now um, with all these addition changes but I'm sure we'll talk a little more about specific army stuff later. Mm-hmm.
4: <laughs> I'm sure yes. you'll never drop him anyway. <laughs> oh, it's still
2: <stupid>. no. <laughs> very me, me, personally, no, <laughs> no. <laughs>
0: yeah, just to round this off uh, on this topic, we've been speaking on this for quite a while. Uh, I talked. I had a chat with Matt Carmack last night, and he was talking about you know if withdraw is and disengage is. So confusing, often confused together. He said, why not uh, remove disengage instead, which I thought is an interesting uh, interesting idea to, to to focus on. If you if you clean up the rules such that there's no need for a term of disengage, maybe that will cause less confusion. You keep withdrawal, clean it up, and you will be still having all that technical depth. I thought that was uh, worth exploring. Yep. So with Absolutely. that, let's uh I think we have beaten this dead horse quite enough. So we'll move on to the rest of the rules changes. So terrain, they added a new term called flat terrain. So uh height zero, you know, when they introduced height zero, it was still not enough. It was still like um, so if a height one stands behind a height zero, do they get cover? Logically, like if you're standing behind a lake, doesn't seem like it should provide cover. Uh, last time it was never clear so the community the players themselves came up with the terminology of flat terrain and so it seems to be sort of codified but there is some interesting adds to it so firstly it never provides obscuring or blocks outside if you're standing behind the lake but if you're in it uh, instead of being height zero it is considered height one when you're standing in it for determining whether you're in getting terrain from being in cover, which is now called concealed. So that means a Titan or giant standing in the water will not get cover from the lake, where in the past it would, right? So now um, height one, so the tallest that can be in the lake and benefiting from cover from that would be your height tree, your large infantry, because height four onwards, you don't get any cover from the lake. So just something to take tone off if you did not notice this change, you might very easily miss that. Okay. Um, I think that's quite explanatory. Anything one anyone wants to add on to that? No. Uh, I think it's a good, I, like, a good clean I change like the change. Mm. <laughs>
1: yep.
0: All right. Good yeah. change. Good change. Yeah. So uh, I like the change, but at the same time, I don't like it every time we have to add more rules. Add more words to a rule. So, from a game design point of view, I'm like, is there more elegant way to do this? But I don't have the answer to that. So I'll just welcome this uh, right now. Okay. So, uh, ranged phase. So engaged units and shooting. So this is a very small change. But if somebody charges you, did not deal a damage to disorder you. Right. Uh, Previously, if you're not damaged in the charge, and you withdrew your ranged unit, you withdrew and you shoot, it will be considered that you didn't move, so you don't have a movement penalty. But right now, if you withdraw and shoot, you will get the movement penalty penalty to shooting. Of course, uh, quite a lot of units in the game have steady aim, so it doesn't matter. But if you don't have steady aim, if you withdraw and fire, you will get a negative one. For moving and shooting, so that's what I notice when I compared the text between the two rules. It also
2: affects mm. if that unit was in uh, a forest, we'll say, then they're still going to be covered because they moved.
1: Ah, they so considered that, to that is right? mm. that point.
2: is that is actually a big big adjustment.
1: Yeah,
0: and it's but it doesn't happen all the time, right? Because most of the time you get charged damage Um, will be dealt yeah (laughs) (laughs) right i
2: i'm thinking uh there are times where uh like glade stalkers obviously are a good unit and still will be played uh if they charge in and waiver a unit that unit just remains engaged with them then they themselves can't back up and just shoot uh for free they uh they'll take a penalty and in those very unique instances but mm. i think it'll it'll it will come up so
3: yeah so so here's that's the other thing sorry not meaning to go back to disengage but i believe there's something that needs to be cleaned up around be disengaging and staying within the one inch because sometimes you can't withdraw either there's something blocking or you can't move back to inch and things like mm-hmm. that and therefore you just disengage i i i I th- I asked a question to our uh, to my crossman who's the R C rep in Australia, and I was saying, oh, if you if you can't do it, are you just stuck? You can't you can't do anything. You can't turn around. You can't do can't do whatever. And I think that that needs to be cleaned up so you can disengage and stay within the inch um, and still do stuff. I think uh, I believe that's the case. So in in that instance, I would assume you could disengage and just shoot
0: point blank. I'm I'm not sure, but I presume. No. no in the current no, rule set i think if to. you disengage you have to end out of an inch yep exactly so yeah
3: point. so I think that's why they're saying they're trying to clean it up I think I'm not, look, I' look at like we'll wait and see what comes out from that but um because yeah that was the question i asked if you if you have a your bum facing the wind like do you just can't you can't you turn around and face the more threatening opponent um and but right now you can't right now you can't and I believe that they're, they're, they're looking to change that. But I could be wrong. I don't know. Yeah,
0: uh, I think I saw a bit of that chatter on fanatics. I would say that, well, if it's such an unfortunate situation that he charged you, 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 you're not routed, but there's no way for you to disengage because you can't end out of one inch of the enemy, then I think that is a practical superiority of the other player to cause such a situation on you. Mm-hmm. And if you like to give that option to disengage and stay within one inch i think that might give rise to a lot more unintended situations so i will caution RRC to look at this deeply and say do you really need to change that and what if you really want to change that how many unintended situations might that cause and whether it's worthwhile
2: i'm just gonna put out there it's gonna break surge armies again if right. you can disengage, remain. Oh, within and attention. turn around. Yeah, you, yeah. You, you, you can, can that, that's, do that's, that's so true, much yeah. shenanigans
3: with yeah, surgery. Yeah, you then. can just so. basically just turn around and surge into something else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true.
1: Yeah.
0: All right. So, with that, moving on to cover, it's now said that. So, it, when you're in difficult terrain, you do have to check the difficult terrain height. So, that's mainly to curb the shooting in, uh, hiding in water. All right. Uh, of course, most people play forests as a uh, height 6 to 9, so that would be fine. Alright, moving on to melee phase. This is just a clarification. If your unit comes with a random number of attacks, maybe it's D6 plus 6, D6 plus 8, that D6 is rolled and then you double or triple it uh, when you hit in the flank or rear. Uh, sometimes people might ask i charge you in the flank do i roll 2d6 or do i roll a d6 and multiply it by two so that's uh, just a clarification okay um individuals i don't think yielding has changed so let's move on to special rules for aura that is uh it's mainly a clarifi- clarification because uh, it was in the faq so they sort of codify it into the aura special rules because Uh, Sometimes the Aura gives you Pathfinder, sometimes it gives you Elite. So for Pathfinder, you have to, you benefit from it in the movement phase because uh, you start with Pathfinder, you charge out the Aura. Uh, When you contact the enemy, you no longer have Pathfinder, but uh, that means you still benefit from Pathfinder, so you're not hindered. Uh, But for you to benefit from combat rules such as Elite, you will have to be within the aura range when you start rolling your attack dice. So your aura giver needs to be there when the combat is happening. Whereas for Pathfinder and Strider auras, you just need it to be in the aura at the start of the movement. Am I right? Yeah, I think that's right. I think
4: one of the main ones that comes up is the Thunderous Charge one. Because that's in a few armies now, like, like Tri- Trident Realms, mm. with the Thunderous Charge aura. A lot of people get mixed up. Do I start within it? Do I end in it? But it is end in it. So you have to run that character up. A lot of them put uh, spells in that on them. And I uh, usually tell them it's not a great idea because he'll be running around the board a fair bit to use the aura properly.
0: So to benefit from Thunderous Charge, do you need to be in the aura when you roll your attacks? Yes. So, we, yeah, because yeah. it gives crushing strength, right?
1: yeah. Well, yeah.
0: Yeah. Right. We'll give standards charge. Okay, so with that, uh, ignores cover has now been split into ignores obscured and concealed. So most of the war engines that used to ignore cover, they have switched to being ignore obscured. That means you don't ignore the the guys in front of it, yeah. obscuring the any the, the target, but uh, you still in do not ignore the terrain. So being in terrain is called concealed now. But do it is give, ignores concealed, uh given to some canon style units. So canon style units does not. It's kind of confusing.
1: So,
2: <laughs> um, It's really confusing. Uh, so much so that I feel like it's a step backwards uh, with the split of this rule. Uh, I see what they were trying to do, but I is it really necessary
4: no. i
1: well,
2: yeah
4: i think, think it was the thing of saying cover you get covered by being in woods but you'd also be saying i get covered by standing behind these units from normal shooting but not from the cannons and uh you know uh, rock lobbers and that sort of thing so i think that we're just trying to clear that up make it easier for the new ones
3: well, that's what I thought I, that's why I thought the aim was it was to clear up ignores cover yeah. right, so, it's to, so therefore you've concealed be, and obscured right. but I didn't realize they were going to split particular war engines to have ignoring a particular no. kind yeah. of cover I thought all war engines were staying to be ignores um, obscured sure. which is what it was prior it, mm-hmm. the previous ignores cover as you say Um, and I thought it was but now that you know cannons have a, ignores concealed and rock lobbers have ignored, obscured. Look, yeah. I, I think it, it took me a while to get my head around it as well. Like, you know, I will, I'll be honest, but I think people get used to it, um, but, you know, and it adds a, another level of, you know, I guess, whether you call complexity, diversity tactics or list building options, you know, whether you take a cannon style unit or a lobber style artillery, um, yeah, look, I didn't think it was necessary, but, you know, mm-hmm. it is what it is. Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. Uh, so I, oh yeah, and then go ahead first. No, oh, okay. Uh, I think that this is another instance of maybe uh, trying to get a little bit too much out of something and shooting yourself in the foot when it comes to uh, <laughs> yeah. a rules change. Um, it's, in my mind, it's very similar to uh, how they word withdraw and disengage it's it's two words in the english language that mean the same thing uh they're synonyms for each other uh obscure and concealed are synonyms they're the same thing uh so now people have to you know understand which one's which and what things you know ignore which uh i think you're just going to get more confusion out of it than you are clarification and uh more Tactical aspects. Uh, I uh, personally, for me, I don't think it's going to be an issue. I know what obscure will be, I know what conceal will be. I will be able to get my head around this from a general game design thing. I don't think this was uh, a step in the right direction for the game. Um, I think that they could have easily just kept it how it was and cleared it up in fourth edition. Um, This might have been just testing the waters for them and. Give them a better understanding of what they want to do in fourth edition. Which, hey, if that's you know their game plan, that's great. Um, but personally, I think that you're going to have a lot of questions around this that uh, you could have potentially avoided.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with Adam that is the same as disengage and withdraw draws that problem of people constantly getting confused. And for the history of this rule, is because that firstly they felt that war engines that ignores cover, they are too strong. So then they started to add the rule that oh, it doesn't ignore all types of cover. So it gives the defending player options to be able to uh fare better against the war engine, not like something that they totally can't do because they just ignore cover anyway. Um, I will argue with that because you can always keep them out of line of sight by having intervening units or terrain. But uh so they went okay with that change and then it says oh then the word ignores cover doesn't make sense anymore and then they decided to split it up and then since we're splitting it up let's keep some units ignore consume uh, i don't think that's gonna help um yeah. when i rewind it back i kind of debated with uh, matt carmack once again i'm like okay if you'd like to give uh player agency the defending player options of uh dealing with the war engines why not uh you make the war engines uh None of them ignore cover, but they hit on four plus, and you tweak the number of blasts so that you know it kind of remains the same. So instead of blast D three, it's a D two, and then I think the math will work out somehow the same. And then you don't have to come up with all this. Firstly, you can remove the rule of ignore cover, and then you don't have all this ignore. It's concealed obscure because You can eliminate if you can eliminate rules, and remain the same tactical depth, then I'm all on that instead.
2: Yep, agreed.
0: <laughs> all right, next
1: uh, one. But
2: I think it'll be interesting just to see how it plays out uh, for this. And I think it's a big uh, area of opportunity they've opened up for fourth edition. Uh, so I'm excited to see how they proceed uh, based off what happens here with this.
3: Yeah, I mean, it, it adds. I mean, if you take cannons now, like you have to rethink how you play them. You can't put them behind your lines anymore so much because, um, you know, they can't shoot over the top, right? They'll they'll cop they the cover. One, yeah. yeah, they'll cop the cover. So it could be you place them on the far flank sort of thing or I don't know. It adds a level of, like, you have to think about it a bit more now. So I don't, you know, that could be a good thing. Um, doesn't help the complication, but, you know, it does add. More thinking, I guess, to how you how you play.
0: Yeah, your cannons have to be away from your own units, but it can stand in right, us. You know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because... but
3: far away, far away from your flank that if something takes them out in turns, they can't like eat your line in the in the next turn, you know. Like I don't know, or maybe you just don't take cannons anymore. I don't know. <laughs> As a dwarf player, I don't I don't love that change because I think the cannons are better than the bombards, but anyway, we'll save that
0: for later. Right. <laughs> okay. okay, next is the army selection allies are now not recommended for competitive so it's official that mantic says allies are not recommended for competitive play what do you guys think about that
4: i i used to use allies a reasonable amount probably 30 percent of my list i'd run them Um, i'd i'd be looking at changing say from undead to the herd or something along those lines. And I would start using some of the herd units to get used to using them. Yes, you can use them to cover up weaknesses, but they create a weakness in themselves and that you can't cast on them. You're not using the, the uh, inspiring. Um, So I think it balances out, but that's, I'm easy not playing with them, but I don't see any problem personally, but I know a lot of people dislike them. So I'm
0: fine either way. Yeah, for myself, I'll go first. Um, Yeah, for allies, the thing is, I don't think uh, balancing is done on the, the consideration that each of these armies can take allies. I think that's one of the big things, and it's very hard to uh, tweak it that way, and then yeah, there's, a, there's just too much to test if I have to test every armies with the consideration that, oh, what allies can I take with them? And the next thing is uh, the allies are, the alignment system is very arbitrary, like right? good, neutral, evil. They're not balanced around anything. Once again, it's more for fluff purposes. And if you're neutral, you have uh, access to the whole catalog, which is kind of sh- uh, advantageous to neutral armies and... Uh, Some people even say evil armies because there are more evil armies than good armies. There's more evil in Tenetor. So they do have access to a wider catalog. So I'm okay with them it being removed. I think it, uh, I think overall it's a
1: good change.
2: Yeah, I I think uh, just stating not recommended for competitive play is enough. Like you're not removing it from the game. You're just, stating mantic's position on it um which i think is much better than what they did with withdraw where they say optional this says not recommended for competitive so they're they're taking a stance they're saying hey you you guys have the freedom to do what you want we're giving you the power as a tournament organizer um but this don't expect us to uh to balance anything at this point um As somebody that's never played with allies, uh, I think that I've never had an issue with anybody taking allies and, you know, playing them against me. Um, But I do see that there are, uh, there's absolutely a trend when it comes to allies and it varies based off of mainly the power level of different armies so i would say this last edition we saw a lot of night stalkers and a lot of ogres as allies and in my opinion those were the top two armies this last edition um so,
4: so why wouldn't you uh, just
2: take I'm ogres sure. or night stalkers in that case as far because as I, I didn't
4: find any real difference in power level playing someone with them
2: or without them that you know, oh no i
4: think.
2: i I don't think so either, but, uh, why not play him Jeff? Because nobody wants to be a filthy night stalker player. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> well,
4: you won't be considered filthy now, will you? No, Maybe, no, they're the, the changes. tame,
2: tame and easy going night stalkers. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's right.
0: <laughs> all right. With that, uh, yeah. And you'd like to add on. Oh, look,
3: yeah, I agree. Like, um, I've never taken allies. I don't really see the need to take allies. I don't know any sort of narrative players ever in playing kings. Like no one actually says I'm going to run a narrative campaign and have a big storyline, and therefore I want to play allies. Like, that's never really a consideration, to be honest. So I don't really think there might be, and so it's good that I guess that's an option. Uh, but I think if you want to play like that, if you just want to have fun and, and and have a bit of a narrative campaign with you know allied factions, like you don't even need the rules to to do that. You just yeah. do it. You know, right? It doesn't really matter. So, yeah, I agree. I think it's it's kind of good. there's not recommended for competitive play. I, I believe it's it makes armies more interesting when you have an army and a unique army in itself. You know, without having to take all the, you know, is, uh, you know, without now that it's it's recommended units. not to use it, I wouldn't use it. Mm-hmm.
1: That
4: but I was never against using them, and I enjoyed using them.
3: Yeah. I think I think a, a lot of the 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 worst sort of uh, abusive allies have been sort of curbed as of last last release. Anyway, you know the mm-hmm. Elo, Elohi and all that kind of stuff, which was the classic yeah. self inspiring. Well, the having
4: mind thirst was the
0: other big. Yeah, you know, mind thirst. So they didn't
4: you know? suffer from that. Uh, the inspiring downside issue, yeah. so much,
0: Butchers were popular allies at one point of time um, until what, they where? had a waiver value and fury. Butchers, nice, the, because they have miners, so it doesn't matter yeah. that you don't. Yeah. Bring right. Yeah. 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 So
4: there are
2: some problems there. Eh? Yeah, Yeah. and thinking back to the very beginning of second edition, allies used to be very broken because you could take magic items with allies at that point, Mm. and there weren't limitations on living legends with allies. So it's come a long ways, and I think they balance allies very fairly in general um, to where I I think that you could leave allies in for competitive play, and you're not going to see... Yeah, I would say you see maybe five to ten percent of the field actually taking allies. Yeah, it's very rare uh, these days. Yeah,
0: I think and, there was a masters uh, a few years ago where the ogre package was quite popular. I think two siege breaker hordes and one flag bearer was just the right pointage for a two thousand three hundred points worth of allies. Mm. Yep,
2: it, Yeah. it absolutely was, but. Um, Look at the results from those players, and you'll be like, "Yeah, let them let them have it."
4: So. Yeah, it didn't make any difference. That's what I was saying. Right. I, I don't think it was any big power
0: play in it.
4: Yeah, it was just another option. That's all. Right,
0: right. All right. So let's move on to magical items. I shall read off all the magical items, and then we shall discuss. So first is banner banner of Abbotshire. That's the spell word aura item is now gone. Macquas potion of the Calibator. He has gone out of business. No more <laughs> potion of the caterpillar. No more pathfinder item. Uh, Jesse's Boots of Shriding gained the pathfinder f- on top of Shrider for one turn. Wine of Elvenkind has dropped in five points from 40 to 35. And that's all because Tome of Darkness not changed. So, um, Spell Ward, I guess, I'm not sure about Spell Ward. Potion yeah. of the caterpillar. Purely
3: a Nightstalker nerf, that one, I think. <laughs>
0: Well, I don't uh, uh, <laughs> they, they still,
4: you still get the spell ward. Um now you know, the, the aura, now the aura, aura the, got removed too. <laughs> yeah, I know the aura yeah. got removed, but have, the, there's the better with Abacha. I don't think it made a huge difference in games, personally. People would just pick a different target and shoot them with the bolts mm. or whatever. But that's my own personal view. I'm, All right. Like,
1: well, I, I tried it out a
4: few times uh, Made a little bit of a difference But not
0: much mm. it, it used to cost how much? 20 points? 20, 20 yeah, it was cheap yeah There's a lot of things you can do oh, I'm Well, one thing you don't get to do now Is to buy portion of the caterpillar So what do you guys think of that? Oh, yeah, that's massive
4: Not that I, I hardly
2: ever yeah. used it But uh, no, I, Yeah, I agree The portion of the caterpillar is big um, Yeah at least in the US, going back to the Banner of the Abbotshire, um, in kind of the top US scene, uh, having Spell Ward aura was a very, uh, very big thing in, I would say, the top echelons of the competitive play, um, whether it was through the Night Stalkers or getting Banner of the Abbotshire, um, specifically having the combination of Stealthy and Spell Ward. Uh, which it turns out Night Stalkers had plenty of, and then Ogres could do very easily as well with their Boomer Chariots and then Banner of the Abbotshire. Um, I think that really showed uh, the the power level when you combine both of them. Mm. Um, so I think Banner of the Abbotshire being removed is going to be a big deal for certain army builds um, that were trying to combine them in that way.
4: Yeah, yeah we didn't see much of it here. In Australia,
2: right With combos. So, well, Jeff, you could have started it.
4: <laughs> I could have, but uh, yeah, I I wasn't. You That's know what I'm like. I hardly use any magic items at all. <laughs> I-
3: I mean, I would argue as well, Jeff, I'm not sure whether you agree, but like, I think the Australian scene is a lot more mellow. It's, a, you know, <laughs> there's less min-maxing <laughs> in, that, in that sort of regard, you know, less spam, yeah. less, you know, less lightning bolt spam, that sort of thing. So probably why we didn't see it, but I, I can see the justification yeah. why. They removed
4: yeah. it. Oh, it definitely had its uses, but I mean, when I came up against it, I, I, as I said, I would, obviously they're trying to protect certain units that are more vulnerable to say lightning bolts, et cetera. But, um, yeah, I I wouldn't have found it much of a difference because I hardly ever use it. Mm. And I hardly ever use Potion of the Caterpillar where other people would never go without
0: it. Yeah, but Jeff is um, is more of a counterpunch player. So if you absorb the punches first.
4: I've I've always gone for units over items.
0: So, Mm. yeah. So what do you guys think, uh, Yen and Adam?
3: For Caterpillar? -hmm. Yeah, look, I think it's a good change. I think it was just a bit too ubiquitous; like everyone took it, both of them usually. Um, And so, I think it's it's good that it's just the one now. Uh, For as a herd player, I think it's nice (laughs) because it makes my army somewhat unique. And you know, previously, I think the one of the challenges with herd was that um, you know we're kind of like a bag of hammers; like everything had Pathfinder thunders, which is nice, but you don't need it on everything, right? Like you know, you, you didn't really have to. Uh, you know, you don't always need it on your big block of infantry, for example. And I, I, other people didn't. You know, they'll plonk their defense five horde in in a forest, and then uh, that will be a nice defensive horde. Uh, and so, you know, I don't think, um, yeah, I feel like you know, Pathfinder and having Pathfinder just on the units that hit hard, you know, was enough. And you know, I didn't think the herd really had that sort of advantage. But yeah, I think it's good that they that remove the you
0: remove that item. Levels of is, is it a stealth level. buff to all pathfinder armies? Oh, definitely <laughs> not, not a major buff, but it is oh, yeah. a buff.
1: It, it is a you buff. Look
4: at your, your list now and say, Well, what has pathfinder? You know, if you're yeah. that type of player, okay, I yeah. well, we'll need some of those units to mm-hmm. deal with the forests, etc. Whereas before, yep. they just go, Okay, I'll put on the potion of caterpillar.
0: Mm-hmm. So, yeah, right. I think. Uh, before this change, you have potion of the caterpillar and you have boots of striding. And usually, you only need to deal with two difficult areas on the map, and then you just have the two answers to it. And then it doesn't matter that the rest of your army doesn't have Pathfinder, but now that yeah. you only have access to one, I think it makes more tactical depth. Yeah, yeah. Wine of Valentine does anyone use that item
1: at all? No.
2: Nope. Yeah. I think it needed to go down another five or ten points before yeah. you would see it. It still yeah. um, I especially if you're removing withdraw from your game. Yeah. Why do you that's need wine of Ellen Kind anymore?
3: <laughs>
1: yeah,
2: that's <laughs> why
4: uh, they did it.
3: Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I yeah, that's that's I agree. I think without the withdrawal rule, like that expensive item becomes even less yeah. viable, I think.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, but yeah. Yeah, I never take it normally anyway, but...
1: Patrick Zorro Allen
3: used it quite a bit, didn't he,
4: in Undead with his uh, Soul Reaver Cav. Uh,
0: Was that Pat Zorro Allen? Yeah, Yeah. he
4: used to use it all the time with his Soul Reaver Cav and, um, you know, was well known for how well he used it.
2: It was very early on in uh, second edition that he um, used that effectively. I Mm -hmm. I got the... uh, I, I felt the pain of it. <laughs>
1: okay.
2: <So>. uh, yeah, <laughs> it's a right intervening
1: point.
0: units to charge the thing behind, especially when they're quite widely spaced. I think that's
1: mm-hmm.
0: that's it. But if you're used to the geometry, you could uh, tighten up your ranks a little bit more and you you would not be able to charge if you couldn't fit. Yep. Um, imagine having two point costs, if there's <laughs> withdraw and no withdraw. That would be weird. <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> so my my hot take here is i think that the uh magic artifact changes are actually the uh, biggest change to the general meta um especially banner of the Abbotshire and potion of the caterpillar i think mm-hmm. the army changes in certain armies are enough to see them go up or down in play but i think those two artifact changes are going to um uh, kind of change the way lists are built and kind of show us different armies coming to the top or falling lower.
0: That, that's a good point you made there because magical artifacts are taken and affects all armies. So this it is a big change. All right, moving on. Host Shadow Beast is the only spell that kind of change. Is, uh, it is quite different from what it used to be. It will give you a set number of extra attacks, sort of like uh, more pups. And the number of attacks you get is based on the caster level plus two. So I found that a little bit strange. It's not based on the spell level, but the caster level. So the, you can have a level three spell caster casting a level one version of the spell, and that means it only rolls two dice. But if it goes off, uh, they'll get three level three plus two, five extra attacks, hitting on three plus, crushing strength three, and these number of attacks will never increase get multiplied by flanks or whatnot or list or whatnot so i think overall that's a good change um, and uh, one extra thing is that it could be cast on self when you're in combat so another interesting question is that uh, does that mean uh, combat casters will uh, go up in power level. And then the other question is what if the self is not an individual? Can I still cast it on myself? So if I'm a vampire on Yes, you and, can. Right. But since yeah, it's a fixed number to. of attacks, I, I don't think that's a big issue. No.
4: I tried I, it out in a game the other day and I didn't find it that, you know, it's definitely not game breaking by any means. So, <laughs> it's um, a nice little touch there, but. Nothing to worry about.
2: Yeah, I I think some of the main uses you could see from it is uh, defending against flyers. So that little lonely spellcaster in the back there now has the ability to go knock a flyer out of the air, you know, a dragon that jumped over or whatnot. Um, Would he still so be uh, limited
4: by his movement? So he, he can't. Yeah. He can't charge more than say speed five and cast the
2: thing, can he? yeah be on a horse i guess but horses uh, are expensive uh, yeah so we'll get- the, the way it's worded though is that it says you are allowed mm-hmm. to cast uh while in close combat when you charge so my Does understanding is when that- you charge
4: because I, I didn't see that uh, in there oh
3: okay.
2: uh, that's well, what had me wondering about system. it if you could then definitely oh uh, yeah
4: up, but-
3: because- like the Rift Forge, the Rift Forge Orcs, the that the little hero, hero the I don't know, the seventy-five pointer. He, he, that he's the classic one, right? Who, Who charges in and just casts yeah. himself.
1: Yeah, Actually, I'm it, not yeah. sure
3: if it does bypass the, the at the double caveat. Yeah, that's. Or, so,
4: I don't know the answer. I just wondered with that. I played it as if you couldn't do it unless you did your normal restrictions to magic, which is to move.
0: Okay, so on the host shadow beast uh, wording itself, it says a spellcaster may cast host shadow beast onto themselves and can do so even when engaged with an enemy unit. While yeah. the general uh, general restrictions of spellcasting is that you can't do it when you charge or move at the double. So I think this requires a clarification. I
1: yeah.
0: would think menstick would want it to be uh, able to cast as you'll be a bit silly if you charge and you kind of cast it on, just, on yourself to buff it. Well, that was the it's intent. Kind of off.
2: Yeah. You only have
0: a five
2: inch charge range then if you want to cast. Yeah, that, that's what yeah. I'm saying. That, yeah. that would limit it severely and make it yeah. uh, unplayable, in my opinion.
0: So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, I uh, think. I, I think we can't uh, discuss this any further except that it does require clarification. I do think that most likely they would like to allow that you can charge and cast it on yourself. Mm, yeah. All right. I hope
1: so.
4: Yeah, I'd definitely uh, make it better. And that would be a great use, Adam, if if you did have those casters in the backfield and been able to pin down a fly, It would be perfect. Especially things like the Trident Realms who have... Uh, their characters with speed six and wild charge d three.
3: Mm, yeah, they're fighty as well, right? So they are yeah, like they're the fighty, mythical economy, attacks on becoming or whatever yeah. else. Yeah.
4: They're gonna be a rule threat.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, I think you could. So I'm looking at the rules, how they interact. It says that spells are uh spells work the same way as ranged attacks. And in range attacks, you can't do when you move at the double. It didn't say "Uh, you can't do uh, when you it charge. It doesn't but say charge. Okay, yeah, right. Uh, because there's an extra qualifier that if you're engaged, you can't shoot. So so yep. now full so shadow BC say you, when you're engaged, you can
4: <laughs> Okay, good. Well, I'm glad that's clarified.
0: Yeah. So, I, so I,
2: I think it it's a very playable spell then. Um, yeah. I don't think you're going to see it in every army. It's not overpower good, but uh, mm-hmm. I think in the right matchups or with the right ideas, it, it can definitely add enough to swing a combat. Uh, I would say it's slightly more effective than just like a Bane chance on a normal unit. Cause like a infantry horde or, you know, a unit with 18 attacks, uh, 18 to 20 attacks, usually you're only getting one or two more wounds out of a you bane get chair. an average
4: of two, two with a Bane a chair. chair. And this, I think you're looking at one... T- well, if you're getting three extra attacks, maybe if you're going up to the four, you might get more than that. But I think anything yeah. is just adding three three attacks. You only get yeah. two hits, so it's under two. So it's, it's a little yeah. bit less effective. Uh, I'm thinking
2: four, if you get
4: four or five extra Four or five, then you, you it, it, tip it in its favor. Yeah,
0: the, the thing about it is you... you Normally, you can only cast it on individuals, and individuals will have very little number of attacks, so it yep. would have a stronger effect on Benchan Chan because on Benchan Chan you only get a plus two wounds only on eighteen attacks. So Benchan Chan is right. beneficial on things with lots of attacks. But you're looking at uh, full shadowing being cast on individuals or self if uh, the the monster happens to be a caster. That would usually be your lord on lord on a big mount. So uh, they would usually probably have somewhere between 7 to 10 attacks. So, post Shadow beast 5 would be uh, really a, a good power increase I'd for them. Definitely on that, yeah. But I, I
4: thought uh, Adam meant, would I rather put my Spellcaster into combat <laughs> casting that, or would I oh, rather enchant no. the unit? Right. Which yeah, would be no,
2: prefer? I... Yeah, I, I'm just kind of trying to equate the two as far as power level goes and yeah. how many extra wounds you get out of a combat.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right.
0: With that, uh, next few changes, uh, I'll just kind of skim through them. In uh, when you So there are more instances of redeployment rules. So this is just codifying in game scenarios that if both players have... Um, units with redeployment capabilities you roll off and take turns redeploying them and then there are new siege rules and kings of war ambush rules and legendary game rules so uh, siege and legendary is kind of fun but i think the one that's gotten most people's attention is kings of war ambush Uh, some of my local players are kind of excited to play play that especially newer players or even uh, Players that haven't been playing for a long time, I think it's something fresh and interesting to get into without too much commitment. So I think ambush uh, is really a good good addition to the game. In terms of the balance, I'm not too sure about that. I would lean against lean towards that the game is not very balanced. So, but it's if you're not caring that much about balance and you just want things short casual games, it is great. Balance, I don't think so.
2: Yeah, I think that, um, in my opinion anyway, balance isn't necessarily an issue with ambush. Uh, I think that you're going to see ambush in a lot of thematical or uh, like uh, slow grow type league games. So, you you know, if you have competitive players in there, you already know that they're competitive (laughs) Uh, in your local group. But I think the main attraction is that it's going to get people to put models on the board um, and with very little commitment and get new players to roll some dice, see if they like the game. And then if they want a balanced or more competitive, then you're like, well, the Kings of War, the main rules is where you want to lead them at that point.
1: Mm.
0: Mm. Yeah, I think overall it's great. Yeah, I I look, I think
3: I think that this, you know, I think everyone get, got hung up a little bit about all the minor changes and things like that. But I think these three sort of new um play styles, you know, is one of the big you know, the not not biggest changes in the book in terms of adding to the to the game. You know, look to, to be honest, I'm not sure how much of the siege and legendary games I will play first because, you know, getting the 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 terrain and the castles and things like that you know i'm not sure how whether i would probably invest in that myself and, and legendary games is you know with a young family it's hard enough getting <laughs> getting a, a two-hour game in you know compared you know what more like a four-hour game you know when it's huge <laughs> that sort of thing uh, but look i think they're great additions and i think a lot of people are interested in that sort of stuff um i think when we were playtesting ambush i think it was a really fun addition i really enjoyed the thousand point quick games they were super fun i thought um mm you know you know quick and dirty type type sort of you know 1000 points refreshing. The games refreshing yeah you played yes. a bit differently
1: okay.
3: um you know i think they did a good job sort of clarifying things about the board size and being aware of pathfinder dominating games so would therefore have more walls um, you know have more terrain because the shooting is really you know probably a, a little bit unbalanced in the smaller size games uh, i think they did a good job with it and i think it's a great addition um i think there's a few people keen on running sort of like mixed events so you you know you have a one day and you play two one thousand point games and two two thousand point games uh so you get four games in a day you know uh, rather than the three um yeah i think it, i think it's good fun um Ooh. you know i think they did a good job with it
0: yeah yeah i think ambush is the standout of the three because actually if i want to play games with castles and or huge games i I can easily, if I'm at that stage, I will be able to easily tweak my own rules for that, but ambush is a little more official, especially when you're trying to play small games, and at least a balance, uh, uh, some effort to keep things not out of control, so yeah, I like addition except for some of my units are already based in hordes and i can't break it in the regiment
3: yeah oh yeah yeah my armies are not modeled for ambush actually at the moment so i need to do a bit of work yeah. to have to play it
0: all right kudos to mantic for ambush so next we are moving on to the army lists themselves if you're from the asia pacific region do consider checking out hammerhouse website for your hobby needs they carry a wide range of miniatures and hobby supplies including mantic vallejo Skill 75 and green stuff world products and first up we have the abyssal dwarfs anyone play abyssal dwarfs i guess I not so i i shall take this one yeah you can uh, tell your page <laughs> berserkers they have a new option for slaver nets uh, which gives them and snare but only against infantry and heavy infantry i think that's kind of crap if you like to give them an snare, just give it to them without any uh. Any, uh, what do you call it? Qualifiers? Mean, just, yeah, just
1: yeah, say they're, that. They're,
0: right?
2: they're defense three. Give them a break, please. Give them <laughs> just straight up in snare.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, next is uh, Abyssal Hump They got a five point discount in the regiment and uh, troop size. I. Think they're still not enough to be played because the biggest problem with them is that their defense 4, 14, 16 on regiment size, they dive a little too easily. So even with that five point discount, uh, and they they get fury. I think in the past few changes, which is still yeah. not really enough.
4: Yeah. Uh, I've I've shined to them a little bit more lately. Mm-hmm. Played played against them and played with them once or twice, and they're definitely better than what they used to be.
0: Yeah, I think it does help. Uh, they're at uh 195 for the regiment, they're inching towards the cheaper cavalry pricing. Yeah. So, yeah. so you might be able to uh, accept that they are defense for based on their pricing and because yeah. you can field more stuff. Yeah. All right. Most of the war engines, the rules is just that instead of ignores cover, they ignore covered they get ignore obscured. Hellfane comes with two extra options now. They are all exclusive to each other because they are all a uh, limited upgrade. Uh, one is the Supreme Taskmaster, which gains Aura Brutal to Slave Only and Rally 2 to Slave Only for 25 points. The other one is called the Abomination Iron Custer Overseer, bracket name TBD. <laughs> bracket <laughs> one. one. Love Pain, it. Gains Aura <laughs> Lively 1. Plus one to abomination only for fifteen points. So, uh, so one of it obviously has a bit of a typo. They forgot to add a new name or modify the name. And for the supreme taskmaster, I think it's a little fluffy. I don't. I'm not sure if it's a competitive choice because I don't think the 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 slave build is popular as of currently, and I don't think this will help it much. I think one of the key problems with the thing is it, that it is quite expensive for its own profile. I don't know if it's worthwhile. They did reduce the cost in the last uh, Clash change, but I don't think it's still a popular option. And then all these upgrades do cost more. And giving, giving LiveLeach 1 to Abomination, I don't think it's very useful because that's not what they really need. Uh, the problem with abomination and i'm looking at um, mm. most likely uh, if you look at the half breeds they are abominations but life leech one is not something that they really need they need something that would survive the initial heat not to help them gain the they,
4: grotesques, maybe
1: uh
4: for the grotesques, yeah grotesque. they hang around a bit so they might
0: get a bit of value out of it you're still yeah. buying it just to do that but grotesques themselves they are not that popular because they hit on 4s, right? So that's the big thing about Grotesque. And when I look at them, I'm like, why don't I just take the low, the lower Obsidian Golems instead? They are defense 6. They also hit on force, Crush 2. Yeah. Grotes yeah. are much faster, though. Uh, yeah,
2: yeah, they are a good unit. Yeah. Also, hey, it's uh, Crush 1, Thunder it's 2 running. is yep. it's yeah. pretty nasty.
4: Adding
3: the vicious, yeah. yeah, I think they could brutal as well, don't they? Yeah, yeah, they, yeah, brutal they get brutal as well. I guess
0: sixteen, eighteen, you know, like yeah. they're solid. Yeah, um, very solid. Yeah, yeah, but would you take a health in just to
1: give it? Ah, uh, oh, that's what like, I said. You uh, wouldn't, an an yeah, just probably, have not the
0: you
3: <laughs> probably not.
1: But <laughs> no. just, uh, But, but, but so I mean, it makes the army,
3: pretty grindy, I guess. I mean, you, you uh, know, at the most, you probably fit two hordes on the other side, you know, yeah. maybe three if you're putting the health in behind. But yeah,
4: and then you're positioning yeah. units yeah. just to get that unit into position. It throws, yeah, just for life each one. It's probably not worth yeah. it.
2: Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> you wouldn't be doing it.
4: Some you know time.
2: what? I think you could see, though. I, I actually think the, uh, the uh, Supreme Taskmaster option for Brutal and Rally 2 for slaves. Uh, can be quite good, um, yeah.
1: Specifically
2: in a slave orc Gore rider uh, type list. Um, so it's not not the infantry, but take the gore riders. Yeah, uh, well, you bump that, them that up to a weakness. respectable nerve. Yeah, bump them up to a respectable nerve of fourteen sixteen for a hundred and thirty five yeah. points, and yeah. they have crush one thunder one. Yeah, that was their Um, problem before, was their nerve. So, yes, that would definitely work. Oh, that for 280 point (laughs) health Well, I mean, you're saving so many points on those gore riders that you can afford a health aim. So, uh, but I mean, that wouldn't be necessarily all your options. Obviously, the health can only cover so many units. Um, Mm -hmm, But I think that's actually a very good detachment that uh, I expect to see. Yeah, at some point on the on the table,
0: the Taskmaster yeah. upgrade is definitely more interesting than the Abomination upgrade. Yeah,
3: all right. Is is the Rampage new on the Hellfane, or is that came in last? I
0: think it came in no, last. I, yeah, it came in last clash, last book. Yeah, yeah. last and, clash. And that's the other thing
2: that the Hellfane by itself is actually a very respectable unit for mm. the points that it is. I mean, hitting on threes with nine attacks base, and then rampage D six, crush two, thunder two, vicious strider, and yeah. it gives aura brutal to dwarves just flat out, which then itself has brutal. I mean, it's it's actually a really good piece, uh, you know, for two hundred and sixty five points it, by itself. You could I, I could see people taking it without any of the living legend upgrades. Um, I think the Living Legend upgrades allow you to then just more theme your list around it. Um, but I think the Hellfane is what makes Abyssal Dwarves unique, and I'd be sad not to see those see that play more.
1: Yeah,
3: I I, I haven't tried it, but you know, like you could run. There's a lot of look. There's probably maybe too many auras into the, in the Abyssal Dwarves. They're almost like halflings in a way now. Like. <laughs> you, you could run a Dwarf Infantry list and then have the Hellfame giving an aura. I think then the um, the Formation gives an aura. Then you got, I think, Inferno gives an aura. So you have, like, you have infantry there's like, Brutal, Wild Charge, Elite, uh, and something else, maybe, all, all given via auras. Um, and I kind of look at that, being a Dwarf player, and a, a Dwarf player who wants to play Dwarf Infantry, and kind of go like, oh, that's, you know, that's kind of tasty, right? You can, you can, you, you might be a, uh, might be a possibly a viable dwarf infantry sort of list in there you know whether or not you get all your auras in, in into play at one go i don't know but um but yeah it, it might be, there might be something there because you don't really see abyssal dwarf, dwarfs very much do you
4: <laughs> apart yeah, from the uh, uh,
3: right. I,
4: uh, that wasn't in when i was playing them but you could if you wanted to go down that route you could get two of them if you wanted to spread the and bigger mm, and mm. get different oil for different parts of the army so
1: as yeah, adam so turned, you could do a decent
2: fighter so yeah, yeah. and yeah. i mean it's still it's a unit strength i mean that's one of the big key factors when i look at building an army is mm. well it could be expensive but if it's unit strength it's going
0: to help me win games so
1: yeah yeah right
0: Interesting. Well, yeah, I, I guess Abyssal have fallen off the radar ever since uh, war engines. The heavy motor you know, got nerfed, which is kinda of weird. Mortar, nerf. Nerf it's a heavy motor but not
1: that nerfed. Dead. It's
0: still it's scary. Not that I I would yeah. I would argue the ignores cover change was a bigger hit to them. And yeah, it's the common build was war engines and rocks, right? In the golems. And because the other options Actually, tend to be a little subpar, but I think they are kind of inching their way back. So we'll see whether these changes aren't enough. Hmm. Uh, you'd like to see something, Adam?
2: Oh, I was just looking at the heavy mortar. I thought that it uh, got reverted back. It's always been D3 plus 2, uh, even after it got reduced down to piercing 2, mm-hmm. right? Yep.
1: Yeah. So, yes. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Okay. Never mind then.
1: Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. the 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 strong part of the motor was always the plus two d three plus two, so it always uh, multiplies into a lot of hits because even if you lose one, it's still three. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Um, well, shattering moving on. Ambitious. Yeah, they still good. Next is the Redkin Slaves. They have a total of no changes. They actually have one change. They don't even have the faction portrait. You know, at the start of every the faction, there's a picture of the faction. So <laughs> looks like uh they're trying to fit everything in two pages. So I don't think they are gonna stay for fourth edition, but we'll see. <laughs> I shall just quietly I mean, move on. T-
2: technically, the rocket launcher changed because they could take the rocket launcher from their big brother Abyssal Dwarf army. But yeah.
0: Nothing that's right.
2: unique to them changed.
0: Well, the rocket launcher didn't really change. It's just a change of the ignore combo wording. Right. Yeah. Oh,
3: they weren't they weren't allowed to take it before. Is that right? Or... No,
2: they no, they they've always been allowed to take it. But that's the only uh, war machine that they've had access to.
0: Yeah. Ah, uh, right. Yep. Effectively, no change. I'm saying. Right. So yes. next we have. Uh, Basileans, their one and only war engine, the heavy arbalest, got buffed in the sense that they lost. Uh, they were, they are five or 10 points cheaper. I think they're supposed to be 10 points cheaper and they gained shattering. So I think that's a good change. They are now coming in uh, fairly cheaply at 75 points. Shattering is nice. Uh, Basilians never had very strong shooting, but with the Gladestalker nerf that the Sisterhood Scouts avoided. I think the Sisterhood Scouts are looking kind of attractive now, especially compared next to Gladestalkers. They are 160 points, mm. Mm. ranged 4-class with Vicious Range, which mathematically should look the same as Elite. Uh, just that their melee combat is not as good. They do have Iron Resolve to be able to survive cheap shooting. so. Uh, yeah, I think that would allow basilians to have a smattering of shooting in the form of scouts, maybe a lightning bolt wizard, although the boomstick has been slightly nerfed since last edition. And you can throw in a arbalest or two to add some wounds and especially shattering, which is equivalent to a plus one wound. So I think that's a nice change to give basilians a little bit more shooting options. uh, I'll do the phoenix last, the paladin knights received a 5 point discount in both the regiment and horde options, that's great because the knights are pretty popular, especially with that uh, synergy with divine fervor from angels, giving them elite, so the knights have always been a popular choice, so that is a straight up buff for them, although it's just 5 point discount, Mm, and lastly is the phoenix, I like that it's cheaper, and it has a cheaper basic profile, hundred and forty five points. And where, where is it? Oh, there it is. Hundred and forty five points comes with Q five and an eighteen inch attack now. So that means if you take the Phoenix, you do have a more reliable shooting platform as well because eighteen inch can attack ADM four plus. Uh, it has Q five, but the basic profile no longer comes with uh. Radiance of Life. And if you like to take Radiance of Life, it's a 30 point upgrade. But this second part of the upgrade is a little bit strange because you lower him to defense two and you lose Nimble, but you gain regeneration three plus. So I don't know if I like that trade off of defense Mm -hmm. two for regen three plus because if you get one shot off the board, then it doesn't matter how good your regeneration is. Uh, other basic changes to the profile it dropped from speed 10 to speed 8. It dropped from five attacks to three attacks. That's in line with its, with its cheaper point cost. I'm not sure if the nerf has changed. I think it's, it's gone up. One, I think it's, it's gone, gone up. One, one? yeah, Good it's one. gone up. Looks like it, yeah,
2: yeah. Four. It's a 16 18 now, yeah. Uh, actually, it might have gone up too. I think it, Two, was, a 14, yeah. 16. I think it was
0: 14 16. Yeah. Mm, all right. Yeah, I'm, the old book, but I'm pretty sure that's what it was. Do you yeah, like that yeah. upgrade one that eight. lowers the defense for regen
2: Well, but- one other thing that uh, we didn't mention, Paige, was that not only do they gain Radiance of Life, but they also gain Cloak of Death
1: in that same. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
4: My only problem with that, and I agree, Cloak of Death's fantastic, but if you're Speed Ape and you lose Nimble, he's not going to be jumping around as well as he could to make it as effective as, as say, other ones that can use that type of combination. And on top of that, with that defence too, you'd, you'd just pour everything into it, wouldn't you? Just knock it off. Yeah. So, I don't know, it, it could work. But against non-shooty armies, it'll be good. Yeah.
3: I like the regular. I'm not convinced yeah, with the ancient. Yeah, Wrinkler's great at 145 mm-hmm. points, but I think losing Nimbo is huge for that price tag. Uh, and then, uh, like, yeah, as you say, you know, defense too. Like, you know, look, yeah. obviously, it comes down to the play. But then, if you're hiding it from Gladzorca's all game, then you're not really getting to use his Radiance or nah. his Clock of Death, you are you? So, have to use it at all. yeah, and I'm it's not, not sure. Six, about the so upgrade. you
4: can't hide behind too many things either.
3: That's right. I, I played
4: against a list with four of the regiments of the um, Sisterhood archers, and two of the Phoenix. And the firepower they they spat out was pretty effective. I can tell you, I wore a lot of uh, wounds on the way in. So the, the shooting from the Phoenix is quite good. With steady aim, height six, just sees over everything to move and shoot. It's got good, good long distance, and you add that in with all the other shooting that you're talking about, Paige, and you've got a um, decent a amount, very of shooting, effective yeah. shooting with yep. the option of hurling. Sorry,
0: yeah, the, with the with the scout, the obelisk, lightning bolt, and the yeah. phoenix now having an yeah. 18 inch range, that does give it a more credible shooting threat, and I think overall it's very great. He also differentiates it from Semicris, right? Which used to be flat out better than the Phoenix. I I do like that cook of death because, you know, when you charge things with 18 attacks, that one or two extra tip of damage does swing the math better in your favor. So I might
1: like that. (laughs) It,
2: It is actually really big because Basilia has a lot of dread in the army as well. So cloak of yeah. death plus dread or brutal from their uh, from their large uh, large infantry um, yeah. that minus two just flat is going to be pretty big. So, um, yeah. but I think that you're going to see more of the base versions mainly because you still take Samur in my mind who has Radiance of Life built in, um, and typically two Radiance of Life uh, aren't
0: needed in the army. So.
1: Mm.
0: I would think it's either or right now if I were to take I think if I take both the Phoenix and Samurakis, it's a lot of points in support.
2: I think the Phoenix is cheap enough though. Yeah, uh, and I think
0: too. that's true. I, the think base one of
2: the, I think one of the big things this Phoenix is going to be able to do that maybe people find out in playtesting is that it's a height six, speed eight, nimble monster that can just go out and charge things that you don't want to deal with. And that sixteen eighteen Nerve with the Regen 4 up, it's likely going to stick around for more than one, potentially two turns.
1: Mm. Yeah.
4: yeah. yeah there's you can the charge that a you, Dragon with it and, and hold for a turn yeah. and then just walk off. You've still done yep. what you needed to do, which is shut it down.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, with Regen 3, it uh, can heal yeah. quite a bit of the damage and take another charge. Even. Yeah. You're only
4: risking 145 points. It's not
2: like a, yeah. you know... Hmm. Yeah, I think it's all buffs for Basilia here. Um, yep. I think the army was already good before, and they just got
0: better because they have more tools to use now. Yeah. All right. I think we should quickly move on to audio of the broader map. Uh, the one change is the five point discount to other of the abyssal hunt, which I think is great because those guys are being used often anyway. And Brother Mark has received a lot of buffs since the last Clash. I do think their power level is at a comfortable level right now. And um, not a lot of people play them still, but I don't think it's a handicap if you play with them. So all in all, um, Brother Mark is also in a good place. So in the interest of time, I think we'll skip forward to next, which is the dwarves. Yen, could you cover the... Changes
3: to the dwarves. Sure, uh, I think the only changes to the dwarves is just to the uh, changes, obviously, to the artillery uh, ignores cover rule. So now you've got the options between the cannon and the bombard, uh, with the cannon ignores concealed and the bombard ignores obscured. Um, personally, my just my my opinion is that I don't love the bombard mainly because the um, the ignore obscured option is just piercing one. Um, which is, you know, on two five pluses dice. I just don't think it's really worth it, to be honest. And then uh, the other longer, the other shorter range attack uh, is cops all the penalty. So you know, um, yeah. Look, and then the cannon now ignores concealed. So I used to play cannons, obviously, just like rock throwers, just put them behind your lines. And with dwarves, they I think they do need to be behind the lines because they're so slow. It's just hard to respond to to things that sort of go wide on you. Um, and now you can't do that. So I'm not sure. I, I don't, I don't love, I I feel like this is a nerf to the dwarf artillery. If you want to take that form of artillery and you're not taking organ guns, for example. Um, yeah. So, you know, I, I don't, I don't love the change to the cannons, but it is what it is. And, Maybe people didn't really take that many cannons anyway. I think organ guns were a bit more um, popular. Uh, but I think the biggest change to the list is the Dwarf Lord and Beasts, You know, getting to be twenty-five points cheaper. I think he desperately needed that that points drop. You know, comparing him to the uh, Lord and Frostfang, uh, who was just flat out, flat out better. Um, <clears throat> is he like a like a triple triple selection? Like, are you going to see three of him? I, I'm not sure still if you would see three of him um but um he i think he's a lot more viable now uh, i think you you definitely see at least
2: one maybe a couple in, in most lists um in there yeah i think with units uh, available to him like Faber and iron hearts and uh and garrick heavy hand i i don't think you'll see three but i would expect to see one in uh in a lot of dwarf lists
3: yeah, like a nimble scoring defense six unit in a dwarf army is always going to be handy. It's always going to be helpful for an army that doesn't really get to move very much. Um, so I think you definitely see him. Um, and he's, yeah, I think it's a well-needed points drop. <clears throat> yeah, but definitely not, I think, at the level of the, you know, Frostfang Lords with their nine attacks.
0: All right. Yeah. Um... Wow, there. is ignore-
3: <laughs> Yeah, totally. <laughs>
0: is ignore-concealed worse than ignore-obscured in uh,
3: general terms? I think yeah. so in the context of how yeah war machines are used because yeah. you put them behind your lines to protect them. It's it's harder to get to them when they're on the back yeah. lines. If you're far out on a flank, for example, if someone has enough drops to, to dedicate a one unit to take them out and suddenly you're dealing with a, a unit turning on yeah, your yeah. flank right yeah. yeah i just i just think it's harder to use but yeah, yeah. looks yeah. like it's enough
0: to the cannon so so the, uh,
2: sorry i want to maybe take a step back here ignore, with ignore concealed um if a unit is within a forest and the majority of their front arc is uh, is within the forest, so uh, you know their their front uh, their front of their base is not sticking out of the forest, that unit is then concealed and obscured. Correct.
1: I am flipping
0: through it. I don't think so. Uh, I will come back to uh, sorry. Oh. So you're saying the minus two. No, you're no, no, no. I, I mean,
2: you can only be minus one. One total, or the other. I'm yeah. Saying, oh, right. Okay. I get but you. But I'm, I'm thinking if a cannon can shoot uh, a unit that is 50% within a piece of terrain, um, that is, their ignore conceals is ignoring the 50% within terrain. But yeah. if they are still 50% of that front arc behind the height nine forest or height six forest, even though they are within it they would still get cover because you're not ignoring obscure. Because that forest is still within uh, the, the line you would have to draw to target the unit.
1: Oh, you're and, right.
2: Am I, am I understanding obscure that
0: is At least yeah. half the line of sight passes over intervening units or terrain, including difficult terrain the target is in contact with. It is considered obscured. So yes, you're right. Yeah
2: ignore huh. concealed is garbage
0: <laughs> i'm sorry but yeah.
2: it is just it's absolutely you'll never see a cannon again um
0: i think this is un- unintended yeah potentially yeah, <laughs> yeah. but it well, needs some cleanup. up the way
2: it, yeah again yeah. You know, we we talked about it but i think that they overcomplicated something that didn't need to uh
0: get this far in depth so you heard it here, guys. Ignore, consume is garbage because if its frontage <laughs> is in the terrain, it's still obscured by the intervening trees. Oh, well. You <laughs> <Do all laughs> thought a large beast, super cheaper. Uh, yeah, I it was pretty good. Before. Uh, I, I always thought it's a great mobile anvil and a speed trap in an army that doesn't have much speed. Effort. And it just got better. So awesome. Absolutely. With that, let's move on to the free Dwarfs. Uh, Ian, take,
3: take it away. With oh, no change. Yeah, so I think the free Dwarfs are just the same. They get access to all the same changes in terms of the the bombard, uh, and the cannons, um, and then the free Dwarf lord on on large Beasts. So same thing. Um, so I don't think there's any difference between the the two the two factions there. The the, the
0: changes that affected the main less affects the free Dwarfs as well. Um, that would probably mean the free doors won't be taken more than it currently is. So that means,
3: yeah, I, I don't know how popular the, popular the free dwarves are in the US, um, Adam, but they're definitely not, I don't think they're as popular as the Imperials here, um, mm. they, especially with the rise of the formation, formation. in the mm-hmm. Imperials. Yep. Yeah, um, yeah that's it's very the same popular. here. Mm. And I find free dwarves. I've played them a fair bit this year, with not huge amounts of success, I would say. <laughs> Just um, based on my collection, I would I would like to run them, but they feel like a herd that is slower um, and hits less reliably and less 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 hard. Um, but they get access to shooting, you know, sort of thing. I, yeah. So I think they're they're kind of struggling a little bit already with the free doves. Um, again, the free dwarf. On the Lord and Beast changes is, is great. I think that's a great, great change for them. Um, but, you know, I don't think the the changes are going to make a big difference in their sort of popularity or, or power level, to be honest. But mm.
2: uh, we got to talk about the shadow buffs, though, which is no more Pathfinder item means that Free Dwarf Brock Riders are superior to Imperial Dwarf Brock Riders.
3: That is true. It, but I think that I, I do like them still. I like the Brock Rider troops, <clears throat> especially. I think they're great. A great unit. Um, I think you could, I actually think um ambush, free dwarf ambush is actually very good because you can get lots of Pathfinder on your units, uh, which controls, and because of the smaller board size, your dwarf army doesn't struggle with getting outflanked as much anymore, and your um Brock troops actually can control the whole board. Um, plus your ranger, unlocking ranger regiments, uh, that hybrid unit that can fight and shoot is, I think, again very good in in ambush. Um, so I think I think they're a bit of a sleeper unit for the for the sleeper faction for that smaller um, smaller game, to be honest. During
0: crafting for ambush,
3: yeah, giving the
0: ambush. I think I think they're
3: actually very good in in the ambush size, mainly because they don't have to worry about getting outflanked as much. Um, in that in that in that um <clears throat> smaller game board size for both i think both dwarf factions will excel in that smaller size because of the smaller board
0: okay. um, but yeah mm. okay with that elves and now let adam take this one
2: all right uh so elves got quite a few changes here so Um, The first thing is Glade Stalkers are now 10 points more expensive. Bumps them up to 185 I believe for the regiment. Mm -hmm. Um, Stormwing Calvary uh, got a 5 point discount in both the troop and regiment format. Uh, Silverbreeze Cav got a discount of 15 points at the troop and 20 points at a regiment. Uh, The Ward Chariots got discounted uh, in each of theirs, uh, 5, 15, 20, and 20, and each troop, regiment, horde, legion, respectively. Uh, bolt throwers got a 10 point discount, and now they apply spell ward to the unit after they deal damage to that unit. Um, Elve and archmages did not change, and the noble on war chariots is now uh, Crush One, Thunder One instead of just Thunder Two.
3: He got an additional attack as well, didn't he? From four to from to from three to four.
2: No, they've always had four attacks. They always had four. They always had four. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's always been borderline. I think the big like I I like that change. I think the big thing for him is he needed like a five or ten point increase, and you needed to get uh, inspiring on this guy. His lack of inspiring in the elf army. Uh, who already struggles unlocking characters is it's really tough to justify taking a noble on war chariot, especially over a troop of silver Breeze now that they're even cheaper. Sorry, he did, uh, get, he very... did get four
3: attack, an extra attack. So easy armies has oh, nice three attacks. Yeah.
2: Oh, okay. Yeah, right. I thought he always yeah. had four.
0: Uh. Oops. So his worst is the big thing for him. <laughs>
1: <Okay>.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, so as uh, elf player, so um, I first my first army in Kings of War was elves, and the main thing I was known for was the uh, bringing Silver Breeze to their glory. Uh, so they got nerfed in previous uh, after that. But uh, I I ran a spam of Silver Breeze, so now seeing that they dropped uh, significantly in points, uh, just gives me all those dirty ideas as an elf player. Come back. <laughs>
0: Yeah, looking at it, right, because of the increase in price of Glade Stalkers to 185 and the reduce in price of Silver Breeze, they are now cheaper than Glade Stalkers. They are 180 points and with two extra attacks. So I think they are quite worth taking and looking at. Does that edge Glade Stalkers out? Would you stop taking Glade Stalkers? I never took Glade Stalkers.
2: But um I would say no. The big thing glade Stalkers have going for them is they unlock and their unit strength three versus the Silver Breeze mm. regiment's only unit strength two. Twenty-four mm.
3: inches as well uh, is a big, big difference in shooting.
0: All right.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Uh also, the Glade Stalkers, even with less attacks, they're more potent in combat because they okay. just have flat elite. Mm. Uh, unfortunately, the big change I want to see is Silver Breeze Calv getting flat elite, but that seems not to be the case. So,
3: I mean, I will. I, I do think the move from 130 points to 115 for the troop as well. That I think now they can chaff as well. 130s so always seem a bit expensive to the chaff, but 115 now seems not too bad. They well, often
4: think it's, used them as chaff, yeah. didn't they? So what mm-hmm. about the bolt thrower change, Adam? Would that make much difference?
2: Um, I think it does. Ten points cheaper and getting an additional special rule. Um, I think uh, just meta talking at this point, you're going to see greater air elementals all over the place. It's going to be windy at the top tables. So um, I think if you can get uh, some cheeky spell wards uh, plucked onto those guys who want to get surged the next turn, um, you can make those more reliable two to three inch surges a little bit less gimmies, yeah. Yeah, um, you know, so uh, I'm hoping that it'll make a difference. But uh, I, I have yet to actually put elves on the table and practice them. So it's yeah. all theory at this point.
0: Yeah, I think that Spellcraft books, uh is very nice. It's very fun, for of flavor without adding extra rules. So I really like that change, and you can do fun stuff like shooting a unit that's about to charge you and hope that they fail their binchan. So that's uh, an interesting option as well. Uh,
2: Also, you can shoot a unit that you know you're not going to kill um, and reduce the effectiveness of a healing spell against Mm them on the the following turns.
0: For sure. Mm. Yeah. All right, with that, I think we're all done with elves. We'll move on to the Sylvan Kin, which uh, the only real change is that the Windborn are cheaper because the rest of the changes are kind of inherited from the elves, although their Gate Stalkers are slightly different in flavor. So, what do you think of that, um, Adam?
2: uh windborn were my babies they made the windborn for me and i love them so uh (laughs) the uh ability to have your shooting attacks be a wind blast that deals damage is uh extremely good especially with the lack of spell ward that we're about to see in this next edition so um you're always going to be hitting on fours except for when you're targeting halflings so um i think it's huge and a 30 point decrease is amazing Mm -hmm. uh for this unit in an already amazing faction that has access to greater air elementals and still really good glade stalkers that are uh, stealthy so in my opinion they're going to be probably the best glade stalkers because one of the big counters is the mere match shooting so if you can have stealthy glade stalkers and greater air elementals and now a really cheap windborne unit you have a lot of tools uh as a sylvancon player um yeah. and i am not uh that filthy of a person that i'm going to pick this army up so <laughs> i will revert myself to maybe playing the lesser regular elves lesser
3: elves <laughs> are they lesser though i mean i think they, they
2: are both, they are lesser i'm, I'm sorry but Dracons don't hold up to greater air elementals. Mm. Might be a hot take, but
3: <laughs> I mean Sylvankin and Cav also get that uh, you know Pathfinder sort of that you, know, you can buy for cheap as well. And I believe Quicksilvers are going back in. Mm.
2: Um, um actually that was I think a big change because this Windborne Cav in the Sylvankin don't have access to the Quicksilver. Uh at yeah. least as it's written right now.
3: Yeah, but so, I think that on the forums, on, on Fanatics, it's is, is been confirmed that they're going back in. I believe. Was, I could be wrong. It was an
2: oversight. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was it an could be. Yeah. Uh, just another reason to say that Sylvan can are the superior elves. <laughs>
1: um,
2: but yeah, I, you know. Back to the other elves that, again, is kind of a shadow nerf. I think that the Quicksilver Lancers, uh, with their nimble upgrade and making them elite nerf of 1517, uh, desperately needed the Pathfinder item uh, in order to make them ex- uh, over-the-top effective. I think they're still good, but without uh, Constant Pathfinder, they're going to be less useful than what they were before.
0: Well, they're less maneuverable, but you said it still gives them boost of riding for, for the charge
3: yeah, I think I think they're still very very good though as a unit. I I really like. I think I think they definitely needed that nerve bump, uh, and then nimble as well. Um, I think gives the army a very like yeah, it makes the unit much more usable. I think when previously I think fourteen six, I think any sort of fourteen sixteen cav people kind of was always really hard to sort of work around that that nerve. I think.
0: Well, with uh, J boots giving Pathfinder now, you could still do that janky play of popping it for the Pathfinder, maybe running entirely through the forest. That still works. Yeah, you definitely can. Um
2: it's just you're gonna have to play a little bit more tactical and a, a little bit mm-hmm. more thinking ahead versus just uh easy mode put catapult. <laughs> so,
3: on. It's a good thing though for L's, I think <laughs>
0: <laughs> they don't need more power. No. Right, next, uh, Empire
3: of Dust, Yen, take it away. Yeah, so Empire of Dust, some good, nice little changes, I think, uh, in this book. Um, so you've got the Skeleton Deadeye Crossbows uh, became regular. Um, I think the Re- the Reverend Cav got the standard five point discount all the camps Cav got as well. The Sandborn Worm Riders got plus one Nerve and Life Leech, an extra Life Leech, so they're now Life Leech 2. The reanimated behemoth went up to I think a dash six seventeen versus the sixteen that it had before. The undead worm, the, the dragon, the bone dragon, uh, got a thirty five point discount, which is which is which is great. And the cursed high priest got a fifteen point discount as well. Um, I think all of all of the changes are actually fantastic for the for the faction. Um, the crossbows are an interesting one. Um, they're pretty cheap unlock 120 points uh and 10 piercing one shots for the regiment uh yeah 10 is that right 10 and 8 for the troop um i think like i think it's an interesting change uh i think the regular makes them very playable now a a very viable choice for the for the price point at which they, they they are at personally for the way i build the army i'm not sure i don't tend to love having uh my line sort of um broken up a bit by weak units that can be sort of sort of um broken through in that sense uh slightly different to the Enslaved guardian archers which can fight as well and you can sort of search them up together with your line um, but you know i think i think i think there's a list in there that you could that you could build with the regular dead eye crossbows uh, you know with those piercing shots i think they're very they're very handy um, the worm riders as well i think it's a nice welcome change again i'm not i i i, f- I feel a bit funny having one living unit amongst the, a bunch of shambling ones that can't be surged i prefer having my sort of line sort of together and having everything being able to be surged. um but they do provide a pathfinding um unit that can be moved as a double you know if you need to claim objectives things like that um I think the thirteen fifteen on the regiments for the worm riders are actually something that is very very handy. You know, they're sort of nice, sort of fast, thick thick chaff in that sense. Now you can sort of move them up to grab tokens early, things like that. So I think I think they're actually a very viable choice as well um, in the regiment size. The hordes I think are okay, but I'm not too sure on them at the moment. Um, I used to ro- really enjoyed running um, chariot legions and there might be a, a, a replacement for them possibly in terms of that speed, um, and sort of holding holding power. Um, the behemoth as well, I think the dash 17 defense six makes a big difference as well. The chariot base, especially when you're playing in this whole withdraw era, uh, could be very help, helpful as well because you can just pivot and, and, uh, and, and surge and get away without having to worry about the withdrawal. Uh, so I think you'll probably see more of the Behemoth as well. Uh, the undead worm. I think I think the, the thirty-five point discount was, was great. So now it rivals the greater air elemental. But I think I think a lot of people have said before. I don't think you'll see it as good because of the seventy-five mil base. I think that's what holds it back a little bit uh, in terms of being able to jump over and surge or fit into spaces. You know, the twenty-five mil makes a big difference. Um, but you know, you have access to Ra who who that that chariot uh, living legend that makes everything uh, melee 3 if you have the skeleton keyword which is what the worm has very useful uh, i've yet to really pull off a significant combo of ra you know i don't feel like chariot heroes should be in the middle of the line because you know when they if they do a frontal charge you always have reform issues after um, you know things like that but you know again he he buffs the worm ag- again you know with that point cost and finally, the priest. Uh, yeah, fifty points. I think everyone complained about him being too expensive. Um, I think I've tried a list with two priests now, with surge and heal. Um, I think that fifteen points makes a big difference, and there's a lot of you know healing capability now with your rerolls as well with the priest. Uh,
1: but yeah, so that's my sort of initial thoughts on the changes. Adam, uh, i
2: agree on everything. Um... I think that the the biggest change in my my, uh, my eyes is actually the crossbows becoming regular. Um, one thing I don't know if Jan mentioned, but they they do have elite ranged, uh, so they mm. they are pretty potent at range with you know ten attacks, elite hitting on fives, pierce one, um, and uh, being an Empire Dust player myself, I know the power of uh, being able to abuse Surge and get into range or uh, Surge into cover and be able to or into uh, forest and be able to shoot out of it. Um, so I see the skeleton crossbows actually competing with the enslaved guardians. And uh, I mean, unit strength wise, it's not an issue because enslaved guardians, their biggest thing was their only unit strength two. Um but Deadeye, crossbows, unlocking, and being half the points effectively is uh, pretty significant in my mind. So yeah. um, as far as everything else, I think they're all good changes. I think the curse high Priest being 15 points difference is probably the next biggest thing. It allows for you to utilize him in other potential builds. I think EOD suffered from a very mono uh, type build, which was... Um, you know, you have to rely on the surge and the grind and the heal. I think that now with the variants of unlocks uh, and the cheaper spellcaster, you potentially could see a gunline EOD come out, and I think it would be a very strong build.
0: Awesome. Um, I noticed the Curse High Priest is discounted in its base cost, but it pays the normal price for surge. But every- nearly everything else in. <laughs> EOD pays a discount for search so I'm not sure if that's still holding it back a little bit.
2: We'll take what we can get Paige.
3: (laughs) (laughs) It all helps. (laughs) All
2: right
0: with that let's move on to fossils of nature and we'll have Jeff take this one.
4: Okay so uh, so see the hundreds of wild don't have any changes but the beast of nature the base cost went up by 10 points, but it gained nimble for that, and the wing option went down 10 points, so the normal package that people take is going to be the same cost. I did used to run the the one without wings. Um, my biggest problem was that it lacked the nimble, so I could look at it, but yeah, I think you would still end up just with the full package there. Uh, Kerris um, used to have the Solar staff was a, a one one turn only, 24 inch range, any hits and you disorder the unit. Now it goes to an 18 inch range and they're disordered if they're damaged, but you can use it all the time. I myself, I'd definitely be looking at adding that into the into the army. I think Is that would be a, good. Very good. Yeah.
2: I, I like that. Yeah. The answer is yes. It is too good, Page, because it's
3: points.
0: only eighty points.
2: Yeah. it's
3: yeah.
0: only eighty points. Just yeah. take it anyway, and if you need any spells, you can still add it in. You, you have. Yeah. So I, I think That's those the two
3: thing. characters yeah. are the biggest. One of the biggest changes, actually. Uh, yeah. And I, I didn't realize come they were that those changes came were coming in. I only found out about it myself when the book came out, despite playtesting. Uh, and I think they're huge. Yeah, they're they're, they're really great now as so well. Giving the what is it, Charlotte. The surge as well, and I think previously she didn't yeah. have surge,
4: and has elite on
3: airbound. Also. Yeah, you know, and and I, I think what what is it? It, is. it does the, the 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 sparks. What's it called? Something sparks where that's uh, static. That's static shock. Static yeah. shock. Yeah, yeah, you know. So
2: think- when you deal damage with lightning bolt, you may immediately cast wind blast based off the damage that you dealt. So if you do two damage lightning bolt,
0: you get to last two last, so you're gonna push them. away one on average. I'm not sure if it that did, area, yeah. so. did go up it, 15 it, points, but so yeah,
2: That's I think yeah. Karras, I, I, I probably wouldn't
4: on. use it myself, but <laughs> I'd definitely use uh Keras,
2: yeah, especially since Keras has access to Surge 8 for 30 points, bringing it into a whopping 110 for a second Surge caster. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're always going to take the Gladewalker Druid with the ring of brokenness. So <laughs>
1: uh,
4: as I said, I'll run this without without any surge and bring some flyers in next
3: time. <laughs> Do you ever find you have little... issues getting in range for movement five surge casters? Sometimes you know the Charlotte because she moves quicker. Um she does, doesn't she? I'm
0: pretty sure. She's
2: speed 10. Uh she's speed ten, yeah. Flying. Yeah.
3: So Flying. You know, that could yeah. really help with the surge
4: sometimes. Yeah. With your flies. I like the I like the item with the extra six inches on the spell. And then that's uh, Crown,
2: Crown of the King or something. Yeah. Like that. King,
0: King. Yeah, that's, the
4: that's really yeah. good when you're trying to get air elementals into charges
0: and that you put it on the Gladewalker Druid. Yeah. It's, Absolutely. Uh, yeah. yeah. That's, so you have a much more range in both sides. Yeah, yeah, you can you do. Can
1: spread blast.
4: out your units more. Yeah, especially yeah. you can wind blast units out of the way to open up the gap to then um, uh, surge them. Yeah. So,
2: so. Yeah. Tough I player. um. I think that forces of nature are going to be the biggest broken army, and they're going to get a hard nerf come
0: fourth edition. So. Play well, them while you have, can, boys. Yeah,
4: they should have done something about
0: the great air
1: elementals.
0: Yeah, I think that's a major consensus within all the veteran yeah. players is that greater air elementals were too good, and now the yeah. other things that's on the same level as them got no. So they are now the big boogeyman. Yeah,
4: and the the, uh, the lack of the Pathfinder option just makes their army better again because they've got so much, you know, the whole army gets <laughs> it. Yeah. So. Oh my God. They're
3: definitely in a good spot. Very good spot. Yeah. I feel like the greater air elemental didn't exist. The beast of nature with that sort of uh, nimble knowing option could be a lot more um, That was good. Viable. Yeah. I think it's a really good choice. I think it's cheap. I think 150 points, nimble. You know, but because you want to take the other monsters, I think that's when (laughs) it runs into the problem, right? Yeah.
4: I think the old ones are used to be 130 points, and then you would add on things to it. And mm. it was a great roadblock at 130 points. Like you wouldn't get the extra attacks or the vicious,
0: etc., but you could add those in still. Mm. But, uh, so what were you talking about the power? And it was 116 now. The base yeah. is yeah, it's 160.
2: And if you take it without the wings, but you're definitely going to take the increased attacks, right? For 15 yes. more points, you're looking yeah. at 175 points for that beast yeah. of nature seven attacks nimble speed seven threes crush two vicious uh, yeah. it's really and pathfinder built in as well like yeah. it's super solid um yeah. but why wouldn't you take a greater air elemental for five points more
4: yeah yeah or you or you just put the wings on it anyway and it yeah. That yeah. might be a thing of points if you don't have the points and you
0: want to add that in to
4: get a bit of variety in the, into the list it's definitely well
0: it- in a world that uh, Greater Twitter Elemental doesn't exist, at 175 points, <laughs> Bees nature on foot, Oh, yeah. While yeah. being good, at a point difference of 175 versus 205 for the flying option, I think I'll still take the flying option.
1: Yeah. yeah, it yeah if it
0: was something between like 150 versus 200, maybe the 150 has less stuff. Yeah. Maybe I would consider, but at that Yeah. 175, yeah for 30 3.
1: points you're gonna take wings yeah yeah all
0: right uh, next one order of the green lady the only change is that the order of the brotherhood on horses they got the that cavalry discount they only come in regiment and horde sizes so the regiment got a five point discount while the horde has the 10 point discount. A thing to note is they still have the option to take Ben of the Green Lady, which is Pathfinder for 15 and 20 points respectively. So I think the army overall has a stealth buff with the removal of portion of the Caterpillar. So I am still very excited to play this um, with that stealth buff. I think that's all there is to say about it. I do use the of the Brotherhood on cap so that discount is very welcome yeah I think that's all I'd like to say about it next we'll move on to herd and that's yen yeah no so changes. I think
3: this one's just the 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 sort of a stealth change to the beast in nature maybe uh, that um, could could provide an option with the herd I don't believe there's any other changes that affect them uh, in the army um, Oh, as yeah, and yeah, it's just going to be the beast of nature at this stage. And so, look, I mean, triple beast of nature, nimble. You know, keep it, keep them cheap. You know, at the five attacks, you know, little mobile anvils um, in the herd army that sort of really lacks anvils, if, unless you want to take the the earth elemental stuff, which doesn't can't move at a double. Um, you know, I think that there could be a list in there with the little nimble beasts of nature to sort of block stuff up uh, together yep. with your your harpies. Yeah, I think I think there could be a list there which uh, would be helpful to the herd. Um, I do wish some other changes would have been brought into that list. You know, I, f- I feel like tribal trappers could have been made regular to help open up the, the list a little bit more. Right now, the formation is kind of kind of cool, but I you pay you pay uh, hero tax because the 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 trapper regiments themselves don't unlock, and then you're going to buy the, the tracker hero as well. Um, yeah, so that's really all I want to say with the herd. I think I think there's something in there with the beast of nature, something could be cool, but I think they needed a bit more help around the, the other parts of the army still.
1: Mm.
0: All right. Yeah, I think it's another one of the factions that's not really loved by a lot of people and often gets overlooked when it comes to giving them bucks. Next up, we do have uh, Fossils of the Abyss, which has no change as well. I think they are in a decently good spot. A lot of people are talking about the double Cronius build. I'm not too sure about that though. Um, I've only played the Cronius in last year's playtesting, and one immediate weakness I found with them is that they are unable to heal themselves. And so they, they, they are likely to. That's why to you be run too targeted (laughs) first Um, then
4: you're wasting the cloak of death a bit that's the only problem You run them next to each other
0: yeah so if you run them next to each other it's also not the optimal way to do it i feel Um, so the
2: way to break break that is you run the well of souls who takes all the wounds off the cronius and then the cronius heals the well
4: that's the list i've been running at the moment so one it, well and it's one crony. One well and two two cronies, yeah. One well and two crony. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> it's it's a lot of points, but it's
1: yeah, it's it a
0: is, lot of points. Yeah. But you've got I, plenty cheap units to go in there too. So. I do think the well is still slightly overcosted. So, what do you think, John? <laughs> I,
4: I think it's just a matter. Of, I played it a lot earlier on. Um, so as long as you can get your orders right and getting your distances right. It's it's fantastic it really is um getting in the life Leech five backs another big thing um yeah i, I think it's worth its points the drop to speed eight hurt it but yeah uh, um yeah no I, I still think it's it's good value it's a little bit cheaper than what it used to be so uh, i find the combination very good and as i said you've got enough cheaper units that you can run to bulk the army up and have that good solid core and then you've got your Mollocks and that to provide the big hitting power. I've gone off the shooting units, the flame bearers a bit, the glade stalkers and that just over, you know, they have it all over them now. You can't get, even if you get first turn, you can't get close enough to them. Yeah, They're just going to keep moving and shooting you. Yeah, they, they've really lost their potency.
0: When, when the balls got stronger, they kind of lost their piece. Yes. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Um, I'm running... My list that I'm running, I haven't gotten a lot of games with it, but I run a lot of Molox. Uh mm-hmm. once again, they might suffer in the shooting meta, but there's not a lot of shooting in my local meta. Mm-hmm. And they are a glass hammer, but they are probably the best glass hammer with the upgrade of vicious and brutal. Oh,
4: they are so good, aren't
0: they? <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> kind of like them a bit. <laughs> and my way of protecting them is to bring lots of them. So <laughs>
1: So right, yeah. I have
0: uh, three hordes of molochs and
1: two hordes, yeah.
0: uh, not two hordes, but two regiments of horsemen for a bit of speed so that I don't get bullied by... Right. Oh. Yeah, I'm just
4: running the abyssal ghouls to, to give you that chaff type of thing for them. Uh, they really do need it. They need protection from shooting um, and they need protection from
0: charges. Once you've done that, they'll just eat things alive.
1: Yeah.
0: And the torture stores still have that... Crush 1, Thunder 1, which is awesome. Yeah, yeah. Just can't have everything. That's all. Had to drop them to get the other combo in. All right. Next is Goblins. I put Adam's name on Goblins, but I don't know if you play any Goblins. I don't play Goblins, but my uh, best friend,
2: Travis Tim, sure as hell plays them. So I know right. them well and good. So... Um, Yeah, changes to goblins, Uh, fleabag chariots got cheaper by 5 points across the board. Sharpstick throwers went down 15 points. Uh, The big rock thrower and mop up launcher both have ignores obscure uh, for the cover changes. Um, This is the first giant we've seen, uh, but this giant, as well as any others in the game, now have the option of rampage or slayer. Both of them are free upgrade options, so you just pick uh, in your list building which one you want. Uh, and then the Goblin Slasher is now Unit Strength 2 and has a 10-point upgrade option for a War Trombone on top of it.
1: <laughs> uh, pretty cool, seem,
2: right? <laughs> seems pretty good,
0: just saying. Yeah. So. Yep. <laughs> I, yeah. Um, unit Strength 2 is a new thing. I yeah. think uh, going forward, uh, having all titans be unit strength two might be nice for them. They really do need uh, some sort of buff, being such a huge and unwieldy footprint in ty- tight ty- nooks and crannies. Uh, so maybe they're just testing it with the goblin slasher models first. Doesn't hurt that they sell all the goblins, all the slashes. Um, it's
1: true. <laughs> uh, but, uh concepts-
2: I I agree. I, I would love to see Titans get that uh, upgrade across the board as well.
1: Yeah, Trumpets
0: seems to be a must-take if you're on the Goblin slasher. It's just a much better attack profile.
4: Mm. Yeah, well you know yeah. you always target the, the trombones, don't you, if you can get something at them, but now it's going to be very hard to kill these things. You can't just shoot them off. Yeah.
2: It's very possible that you see goblins with six war trombones, yeah. three of them just being on top of goblin slashers.
4: Yeah. Hopefully, we don't see that in Australia. But uh...
2: yeah,
3: yeah, I'm not sure like, they necessarily needed um, more shooting options, but you know, the slasher wasn't being taken, um, so you know, it definitely needed something. And now I think it def- no, I think it will be, but. But yeah, yeah i think that that shooting that shooting goblin list is still very <laughs> much in ascendance right like you know now
1: mm.
2: i think one of the benefits to this change is the change that host shadow beasts i feel like goblins were uh in my opinion the most effective unit with oh. host shadow beasts from yeah. the previous version of it because yeah, not you only did you have ball. not only did you have grani snark but uh the uh, Magua and Joe, uh, who had seven attacks base with Crush 2 and has Duelist built in uh, with Vicious as well. He was probably like the third best unit in the game to target with Host Shadow Beast before. Um, probably uh, Mikael and um, Grani being number one and number two, probably interchangeably. Uh, Magua was easily point for point number three in my opinion so having the top two uh individuals to cast that dirty spell on was extremely powerful and you got it for dirt cheap with the army so yeah
4: yeah and you had a, a caster who could move what 10 inches and then cast or something like that on the yeah,
2: mounted mount on a flea bag. Yeah, yeah. and being yeah. being height three, so it can see over everything.
0: Yeah, Still, you couldn't stop it. Couldn't stop the, it no. the previous post shadow beast benefited from the blast. Right? It did, yes. Yeah. So that grub so, long nail also has blast D three. That's the guy who gives you a minus one if he hits you.
2: No, that was grub Yeah, grump long nail. I think that uh, people took him. In my opinion, it was. It was worse than just taking Magwa and Joe to cast it on. Um, I think Magua and Joe was a much better unit to cast it on outside of Grub.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, they're all good, so no. Yeah, you could you could take
2: all three of them if you wanted, but yeah. if I miss. had to pick two, <laughs> yeah.
0: right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: All right, what do you think of the Slayer and Rampage options for the giant? It's going to be
4: interesting uh, to see what people take.
2: I think it's cool. I think it allows cool. you to just customize based off the meta or based off what you feel your army struggles against.
0: Yeah. Yeah, would people take two just to have both options, one of, one, one of each?
2: Mm-hmm. I think if you take two, you uh, double down and take the same
0: option but that's just me personally.
2: It's kind of weird because
0: I I never liked the Slayer and Rampage differentiation. I could take Rampage and then i come up against uh, uh, an Ogre army with no goblins and like totally wasted. Yeah. I found the Slayer
4: on the Giants has really pegged back the large infantry. Mm -hmm. uh, they're, They're a real threat now to them.
3: Yeah, 2d6 plus 8 into a 1517 unit. I think it's very decent. Yeah.
4: Yeah. Any of the high defense ones, they were crushing four, so they didn't care about that. They're, yeah, they they definitely did bring the large infantry back a peg, I feel, Mm. since their introduction. So I'm not sure how many people would take the rampage. I'd probably stay with the Slayer myself. But
1: yeah. It depends on what's
4: in the rest of your list.
0: Quite a lot of people like rampage because when you're hitting infantry horde, they tend to have the higher nerve and so you need the more attacks to crack them. So yeah. that tends to be the 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 discussion. The the reason yeah. why people like rampage.
2: But I think if you're throwing a giant into an infantry horde, you're probably doing it wrong anyway. So yeah,
0: i not on the front at least.
2: E- yeah, even with rampage, like. Uh, yeah. average of what a 22 23 nerve 24 on the high end and you're only getting average of 15 attacks hitting is, on fours yeah. with your rampage option
0: yeah it's it doing yeah you could Giants be part of, kind of a multi-charge then that would make sense yeah. A Gi- yeah. yeah sorry but no you're good all right so let's uh go on to halflings the juggers, which is their heavy cavalry with tundras, I want to say two, but I think they only tundras one. But they are defense yeah. five. They dropped in points, five points in troop regiment and ten points in the horde. Um, the howitzer, just a change of ignore skill, and that's all the change. I think halflings are still a very underplayed army. Not that they are not strong, but I think because they are horde based army and people are. Haven't got around to buying enough half links to paint and yeah. put it on yeah. the table. They'll so, just get better and better. I think More they have outside. a lot of viable builds.
2: My opinion, with spell ward as their pretty much their army-wide special rule, uh, I think they're going to be one of the top armies very shortly. I think I think spell ward is one of the best rules in the game now.
4: Yeah, I'm surprised
3: with that. Yeah, I guess. I, I think for halflings because they don't really have good access to banchan, right? Not really. they don't Yeah, they, they don't have it, so it's kind of like, well, you don't it's really... The item. You know, so yeah, you don't. You're not casting heal either, right? So it's kind of like it's just a flat out buff, uh, you know, positive for them in terms yeah. of a defensive um, rule. Um, yeah, and you know, they get their sort of buffs from their rally as well. Uh, so it's a so you know get a a buff and nerve versus you know uh, you know protection in terms of other things. Yeah. Having yeah. that
4: ability to choose what you want each turns massive. Mm.
3: They're A very good army. I think very cool army. Yeah, I think clash Australian clash of kings this year is going to have quite a few. So it'll be interesting yeah, to see I how they mm. how they perform. Uh, but I think they're also like. <clears throat> um particularly sort of susceptible to shooting as well i think that's probably what they're they're weak against you know glade stalkers and the like yeah so it'll be interesting to see how that matter sort of sort of sort of <clears throat> flattens out that way
2: yeah all right. i like that i feel like there's a lot of different build options for halflings um yeah. i've seen some that have no sorcer- sorcerers at all and they they look pretty strong in general yeah. Um, and then there's others that have the triple saucer and you go heavy into into that uh, portion of it. So I think there's a lot of different ways to build it. I don't know if there's a one that's going to be super optimal, um, yeah. but I think that they can combat the elf uh, glade stalkers with their own shooting um, and their own kind of gun line and hordes, which is not what uh, an elf army wants to see as a, a horde faction across from it.
1: Okay. They're
2: That's only 18 inches, but aren't they those rifles? The rifles are, but they have uh, what the uh, organ guns, yeah, yeah. They, they have a couple different things, and then they can th- uh, long range threat with the generals on air leses, the aeronauts, the grenadiers. DJs, so, yeah, yeah they, they just have a lot of tools, and they have the best trolls in the game.
4: Yeah,
1: they're pretty cool on that. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Edge yeah. like so <laughs> Yeah. Like I guess think they it's just have so
2: many tools that it's hard to find the balance, I think. Yeah. And mm. that might be part of the reason why you don't see many of them, right? Uh, many halflings right now is because mm. there are a lot of good units in there.
3: And they can put a lot of units on the table as well, you know, with Braves unlocking. they goblins, you know, better, slightly better goblins unlocking. You get a lot of drops on the table. Um, you know, like I say, multiple flyers, their own shooting against, yeah, elite elves sort of thing. It's often often you, there's only too many things to shoot, shoot at before you, you get shut down quite quickly. <clears throat> yeah, I think, I think they're really an army to watch. I think they're very really
0: good. Yeah, I think no one has Figure out the winning formula yet? And once someone has started to figure out, uh, uh, uh at least a way to win, and then it's, it will rise in popularity. Oh, it would be great if
3: there was multiple winning builds, right? Like you know, yeah. that's oh, that's, that's what will you
0: be kind of yeah, yeah. It's but it always bit. starts with one, right? And it's then people will start to play and yeah. experiment. Yeah. All right, next we have Kingdoms of Men. Quite a lot of changes. The knights have a uh, drop in points. The beast cavalry has the indomitable wheel option now, which is great. And you can take both its upgrade it used to be exclusive that you can either make them flying or you can make them more heavy. Now you can take both options. So okay. if you took all the upgrades, it comes in at 280 as a flying cavalry, flying large calf points cost. I think it's pretty respectable and um, pretty, pretty uh, up there in terms of power level, with dracons and the light dracons and my order of the forsaken that is because, because indomitable wheel is good, right? <laughs> it's um, fearless, which is the best form of waiver mitigation. <laughs> um, artillery just uh, changing the wording to you no know, secure. Ballista got a huge point discount. It's only 60 points now. Uh, cannon becomes ignore concealed, which means it's rubbish. And <laughs> both yeah. options. So if you were to take triple war engines It will probably be the siege artillery instead uh, although, oh, A check. couple of cheap ballistas in there um, Yeah, into. I think overall it's great I thought the beast cavalry were crap before this change Because the inability to take both options When you take one or the other They just become very subpar <laughs> versions yeah. of what they are and now being able to take both um, brings them in line in terms of their power level um yeah kingdoms of man still a very flavorless list and of course you can flavor it to whatever team of army you like Uh, overall good and i i think not a lot of people play them more because that they're a little flavorless rather than uh them being a little weak on the power curve, but they are getting better around right no, them.
2: I, I really like the beast cap change. I didn't realize that until just now. So I think mm. I agree because uh, Dracons are, what, 275 mm-hmm. uh, or 260 base, something like that. Um, and being able to be fearless over top of them, And then the vicious that you get with the other upgrade counteracts the elite they're effectively the same unit just with the ability to be fearless for a turn so that's very good
4: Mm. and an army that's got access to cheap troops which the elves don't seem to have so much
2: yeah don't get me on those archer changes Let's get you onto the Night Stalker changes. That's
0: a problem. <laughs> All right, Night Stalker. Sure. Uh, oh, wait, League of Rodeo in between. Oh, well, League of Rodeo. League yeah. of Rodeo. I think they're still in a very good spot. They sort of dropped off in popularity, but I think they gained a lot of flavor in the last clash in terms of having the different upgrades for the War Dogs. Dogs of War. Yep.
1: Do
0: so they still have it? Check. Yeah. Yeah. yeah still that, there. The option's still there. Yeah. Uh, they have new hero options, which are quite flavorful as well.
1: And um, they'll get
4: some of the stuff from Kingdoms of Men as well, I suppose.
0: There'll be uh, some... Uh, maybe not. In the last I
1: him. Uh, Clash,
0: yeah. the Baron changing from inspiring humans to inspiring everything is really great for him. Uh, very inspiring, in fact. And he has four attacks, which makes him a very good low-point hero. Yeah
2: he is the same price as an elf army standard bearer and i am not salty
4: (laughs) a good comparison (laughs) you do have an elite standard bearer
2: elite one attack standard bearer yes that's right yeah
4: should be happy with
1: what you got
2: (laughs) yeah yeah you're right i should be (laughs) <laughs> all right, moving on to Nightstalkers. It's on fours, defense four. Not salty at all. Sorry. <laughs> uh, Nightstalkers, Adam. Uh, yeah, so Nightstalkers, pretty much everything I've taken in my army is now changed. So Scarecrows uh, are lower points. So the troop and regiments are five points less. The Horde is ten points less. And everybody got bumped down in attacks, uh, so the troops three less than the regiment and five less attacks. Uh, Reapers also got cheaper, uh, 10 points for the troop, 20 for the regiment, and also lost five attacks each. Uh, mine screeches are height four, which I don't think is actually a big change or necessarily a change at all. Uh, Horror Whiff Weavers are no longer Aura Spell Ward, they just have Spell Ward themselves. Uh, Soul Flares are now speed eight, and the Banshee cannot take an item with the uh, double cast upgrade. So anything that was really good in Night Stalkers is now a little bit more tame. Uh, the only thing I would say is scarecrows I think actually got buffed you weren't taking them yeah. for the attacks you were taking them for cheap unlocks yeah. so
1: no, I'm gonna say, even with the unlocks. reapers
4: even with the reapers I I'd, I'd be happy to take it at the lower cost with a little bit less attacks but I'd prefer yeah. cheaper units so um, now, I'd be more i agree. be agree. Way-
2: the way I played them, I, I don't think the changes for scarecrows or reapers are actually a big deal. It nah. gives you a couple more points options. It's not yeah. enough, in my opinion, or in my particular build, to actually add another unit, which is what I would want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's more likely just points invested in magic items, um, yeah. which in turn is just trying to, you know, improve the units that actually got hurt, which uh the horror riff weaver that's the biggest saddest thing that i that I have here or a spell ward was uh too good you could just take anything but that why'd you why'd you take that
4: yeah the mind screech I think they've done that to stop them <clears throat> sitting behind the hordes of scarecrows and casting without cover
0: right and, and- <laughs> in case you <laughs> got shocked by the podcast i while hearing it on the podcast. <laughs> um
2: yeah, I I I can see that. I don't think mind screeches need to be hid hid behind units though.
4: No, nah, um, no, but that's that's what they were doing. A lot of players were doing that. Yeah.
2: Uh, the I units that, that need problem. to be hid are actually the sole flares in my opinion. So yep. um uh, but Do you think speed aid is yeah. enough? Yeah, I think it is. Uh, Mm -hmm. There were several uh, options that I kind of threw out there as ways to kind of tame that unit, um, Mm -hmm. as well as Horror Rift Weavers tamed them, uh, because I think those two were the key uh, keys in the army. Um, And they took the one with the Horror Rift Weaver, the path with the Horror Rift Weavers, that I think was the biggest nerf for them uh and for the soul flares i think speed eight's not the biggest nerf they could have done but i think no. it's the right amount sometimes when you're nerfing it's like a pendulum you're too good on one side so when they nerf the pendulum swings to where they're just unplayable mm. um i don't think it happened necessarily for either any of these nerfs, but no. uh i think in general all of them combined it definitely uh neuters the night stalkers to where i don't think you're going to see uh at least in the u.s you know a 60-man tournament you'd have five to ten night stalkers at any given time
1: mm-hmm. i think
2: yeah. i think you're going to see less than five probably yeah so wouldn't
4: stop me playing them at
3: all i think they're fine
2: yeah I well it's still and- a very good army
4: just yeah. on,
3: on, on balance yeah
2: Th- there's wow. a lot of other units in the army that are still really strong and really yeah. good. Um, Great army. I, I think this was just a, uh, well, what did the U S master win with? Let's just take a look at all the, yeah, it's a tradition. I think
3: whoever wins uh, the yeah. UK clash or U S clash or masters gets their stuff nerfed.
4: Yeah. <laughs> a few of the armies hey. are won CanCon with, they knocked the units down the next
3: yeah, it's I fun. think Jeff used to take all those placidum yeah. troops if you yep. saw that and then they nerfed that.
2: Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. well, well, I, I say- just want to say where was the Keith Conroy herd nerf and then the Eric <laughs> Trowbridge or- orc nerf? Like, come yeah. on. They were broken. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> <out> <laughs> Keith- one, we
0: one player playing them so that doesn't count. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There yeah. were enough in terms of the shooting getting better in general. <laughs> Especially for the orc side. Right. Uh immediately after or Eric Trovich's uh orc win, a lot of the shooting got increased in power which did hurt his build. That's true. That's um yeah.
1: Very
0: true. I've, I uh I spoke to you earlier on this, Adam, but you said the key one was losing spellwart aura because the aura is what helps the night stalkers be a little bit more consistent against a wide variety of armies, especially against lightning bolt armies. So with the loss of that, the Night Stalkers have a weakness against armies with high lightning bolts, which will yeah. then cause it to be not as consistent playing against the wide field of armies.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So um, the way I built my army was very much uh, MSU or multiple small unit style. Um, which Night Stalkers thrive with in several ways. They're stealthy, so they have a natural defense against the shooting builds. Uh, They don't need to take Inspiring, so having a lot of units and not investing into Inspiring, uh, it it allows you to really curve out and have more uh, units and take more. Um, And then the Spell Ward protected you against the Uh, spell spam lightning bolts in particular so the the triple combination of all that is really what allowed my army to thrive um and when you kind of take one of those pillars away it's just a situation where you look at going into a tournament you know whether it's a five game six game tournament in one of those games i expect to see lightning bolts or a heavy magic build uh you know lightning bolt drain life whatever it might be um and the army's just not going to be at the power level it was once before so Mm -hmm. um it goes from a a five win army to a four and one or a three and two type army in a tournament
0: so Mm, interesting thing so next we'll move on to northern alliance jeff could you cover it
4: yeah so pack hunters went down by 10 points uh, the Ice King Hunters went up by 10 points. So they're the, similar to the... Uh, the Gladiestalker
0: equivalent. Ones.
4: Yeah, the Gladiestalker ones. Frost Giants got the option of Slayer or Rampage, like all the other Giants. Icekin Bolt Thrower went down 15 points. I think that's quite a nice change. I think you might see some more of them. Lord on Frostfang went to crushing two, Thunderous Charge one, instead of crushing three. Um, not a massive change But he's normally known for His second attack, not his first one First one goes in and then he'll Shoot off and hit something in the flank or whatever So it's a little bit of a Nerf, I don't know whether it's enough uh, But a little bit there uh, Serakina, No change and We've got here again Harim who just gets the um, yeah. He- no change, no rampage option Yeah, he doesn't get the
0: rampage option
4: Yeah, so not massive things, but um, I like the, the units like the Pack Hunters and that the hybrid uh, units that are still cheap enough to take. And, and Yeah, units. I didn't
3: understand the, the, the points drop. I thought they were really good already,
0: the Pack Hunters. Yeah,
3: yeah. I was
4: surprised I, by that actually,
0: point drop. But, I like the yeah. Varengar ones better. The, yeah, I think Tom Robinson piloted the Pack Hunter spam to victory in the tournament.
4: Yeah, he used them with the javelins. I've been using them with the bows and uh, quite effective. I know he said in his last tournament he had a little bit of trouble uh, with the shooting, didn't get that much of it off. I think with the bows, they're not as powerful, but you do get a couple rounds of shooting off
2: in every game.
4: And then they're still decent in combat. They're a very good unit. Again,
2: another unit that has Pathfinder built in. So yes. I think you're going to see a lot of it, just, uh, even before it was dropped in points. So
4: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, they're, they're a nice option to have in there. Varanga um, will go straight to them. They're, they're yep. obviously part of Northern Alliance and no changes there uh, other than the ones like the Lord on Frostfang. So
0: so the only inherited changes would be the Lord on Frostfang and the Frost Giant options.
4: Yeah. Yeah, that's it. So not, not a yep. massive difference there. And that's what I've been using the last couple of tournaments and uh, I find them quite effective. They and are I haven't cool been armies. using the Lords either in the last couple of tournaments.
0: Yeah, they they're they are, uh, quite a strong army with lots of options because they do have yeah. the cheap chaff options that Northern yep. Alliance doesn't have. They have the cavalry options as well.
4: As yeah, well the, as the cavalry is the biggest difference, having the the mounted sons. I think. Otherwise, I, I like a lot of things in Northern Alliance, but the the cavalry is the big swinger in
2: in uh, Barringer. All right. So, with with the change to the Lord on Frostfang, do we expect to see more thanes on Frostfang? Since I've been running Thane, them anyway
4: myself. I yeah. just run the thanes. I don't run the the uh, lords. I just find yes, they are good, but they're still like two hundred odd points, and uh, I can get obviously not as good a a result with a thane but i can get a lot more things on the table with still yeah and
2: it's you know 65 points cheaper yeah
4: it's a massive
2: amount of so you could you could take three fanes to the two frostfang lords effectively yeah
4: yeah, yeah. and they're still causing those threats and you know it's like taking a dragon or taking a a mid size one they still have similar effects
2: on the game yeah, cheap. I also yeah, find do. if you if you model it big and scary, then people treat it as if it's big and scary. So
0: <laughs> very true. <laughs> you use the same model and call them things instead. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah. Next up, ogres. Ogres, oh, uh, right? Jeff, still, so, yeah. Yep.
4: Yeah, so the army construction has changed. So you can only use three of the warrior regiments to unlock. Uh, which is probably a good thing. I know a lot of people were spamming them. Um, I didn't say much here in Australia, but I heard about some of the tournaments in the US where it was happening. Uh siege breakers went up by 15 points. I thought it only went up by 10. It says here 15.
2: Yeah, they used to be 235. Were they 240? For the oh, were they?
4: 235. Okay. Yeah. I thought they were 240 before. Well, anyway, that's a long been a long time coming. They deserve to go up. Um Red Goblin Slasher has that trumpet option the same as the uh, goblins and then the giant options and then Nomarok, that's probably the biggest one, is going up by 25 points. That that's gonna hurt a it's lot a of lot. The, yeah, a lot of the ogre players, but he was way too good for his cost,
0: obviously. But, uh, yeah, it's a yeah, big I- jump. Um, I think in the past you used to see two extreme ends of builds. One is a lot of siege breakers, and the other end would be all the nine by nine. Yep. And this changes seem to encourage a hybrid. Yeah. Yeah. A bit more balanced,
4: and, yeah. and they'll still do as well. They'll, they'll still get
2: well. In my opinion, the hybrid was the best of the builds anyway. Yeah. Uh, where you yeah. had two or three regiments unlocking, and then a couple of hordes of siege breakers. Uh, yeah, It it went up in points, obviously. Siege Breakers, Nam was always in there, but uh, I think the hybrid build is it it versus, it versus has much less of a skew, so it's much more of a balanced list, and it uh, doesn't suffer against the, the high skew list that you might see at a tournament.
4: Yeah, I agree. It's still a very viable yeah. list. Very yeah, strong. with two or three
0: regiments, gives you that two or three more hero unlocks that Bumps up your drop count. Yeah, uh, siege breaker no longer being the the superior option all the time. I think you'll see one sort of uh, hunters at least, especially with the no yeah. Pathfinder. Uh, yeah, I think yeah. even the
4: warriors are still good value as well.
0: Yeah, and yeah, I think I think it just gives
3: that's... the intention back to what the original design was, which is giving Olga's oh, okay, a bit of a cheaper unlock option. and not not turning it into just a a warrior That's a good change isn't it
0: but we still only do one one build which is the hybrid build yeah and I
2: think that the the biggest thing they could have nerfed in the army is probably the warlocks Uh, but Hmm. since they left the warlocks the way they are ogres still have a very strong build which is going to be lightning spam
4: yeah, lightning spam and also their drain life at 20 points and oh. to, you know it's oh, ridiculously
2: yeah. really good. Yeah, I know I've used it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, again. See see why I want spell ward over here, Jeff? Give it back to me. Yeah, yeah, no. Fair enough.
0: <laughs> well, they didn't get just a lot of different just one more lock they got enough.
1: <laughs> yeah, isn't well, that something? Is-
2: yeah, I think you still take him probably, uh, especially if you're going for a lightning bolt spam.
4: Yeah, it'd come down to points, I think, what options you got. Yeah. If you can fit him in, you do. If, if it means the difference between getting another horde or not, then maybe you drop him down to just a normal warlock.
0: Yeah, very true. Okay, I threw Adam under the bath to cover orcs. Are you able <laughs> to cover orcs? <laughs> sure
2: yeah i am uh again uh i don't play them specifically but uh one of my club mates plays them so fairly familiar uh, but the uh, school raider chariots went down in points um so five points i think it was for the regiment option if i'm not mistaken uh yeah no there are troops in regiments so school raider Chariots are, they're the shooting version. The troops five points cheaper, regiments 10 points cheaper. Um, The war drum, now uh, you can only take a single one of the upgrade options. So before you could take dread and mounted on the war wagon. Now you can only choose from one of those upgrades. Um, They are not living legend unique. So you can take multiple war drums and take, all of them one with big. Dread, or one with Dread, one with the Wagon. Uh, yeah, so you can definitely customize still. And then the Giant has the Rampage Slayer
0: option, as we've discussed before. I, I don't think the Wagon option was ever worth it, but you, it becomes a necessity if you're running them alongside Cavalry to keep up with them, I guess.
2: Yeah. Um, I actually like their formation if you were wanting to keep up with cavalry because it makes that war drum uh, mounted and then it gives it a spellcaster level and it has bane chant. So it was one of those cheeky things where you, since you gained a spellcaster level, you can get options to the library spells. So you could then take like veil of shadows was the most popular one um, because orcs die to shooting, it turns out. so, um,
1: mm-hmm.
2: And you have Bane chance, for because more crushing strengths, more better,
0: so. All right. Um, I didn't think we have too much to talk about orcs. So I'll move on to Rift Forge Orcs. The giant got the Rampage lay option. The Stormforge Shrine changed in the sense that because of the whole Shadow Beast uh, rule change, they now start off with host shadow beast two as a base, which they can get up to plus three dice being near orcs, and uh, it has a spellcaster level two because the the host shadow beast depended on the spellcaster level. Uh, the rift forger same thing because of the host shadow beast wording change, so the it starts off with host shadow beast three and it's considered a spellcaster level two. So. I think the biggest problem with the shrine is that it can be hex- hexed. That's the biggest issue with it, um. Which kind of cripples at least that unit or builds that center around that unit, which is a shame. I have all I have theory crafted a rift forge Orcs list, and it doesn't have the shrine because <laughs> maybe it's because of who I am. I built an alpha strike list, and I was like, the shrine can't keep up with. These flyers. So um yeah, that's so that's the build that I still go with. I think they have some interesting speed options with Tona, which is their living legend, having that uh storm strike on fives and suffer minus one to hit. They have very cheap flyers, they are stormbringer on hell strike, only have five attacks and 13-15 nerve, but they are only 160 points with Rural. They do have the flying horde option in the health strikers, which um, has some inbuilt sustainability option in Life leech and it does have brutal to help uh, bring the map over the line. So I still think that the alpha strike build is a better build for them. I'm not sure if the infantry build is a viable build. Mm. I had you- a friend in
4: uh, New South Wales been using them a very uh, mixed list uh, big hordes of infantry the flyers, some shooting the, uh, the shrine etc and he ended up winning the tournament with them and it was a very good list so, mm. yeah. Yeah, yeah I
2: think in my opinion the Ambrox monster is necessary to take uh, at least two of them that's the uh, shooting one? yeah it is yeah, yeah too, it's then. so cheap it's so cheap uh and it's it's basically a, a bolt thrower type unit but it's a monster that scores yeah. as well and can fight in combat re- respectively at least um so i think that the orcs uh, i think that's one of the big reasons why the normal orcs suffer is they don't have very good shooting options yeah. Um, so I think that Rift Forgers having better shooting options and also an Alpha Strike army with Hell Strikers allows them to actually compete.
1: Yeah.
3: Yeah. Right. yeah. I think like the similar to the Eric Trowbridge sort of army with, you know, uh, Big Block's, uh, supported by the Morax to sort of control the board a little bit with the bigger charge range. You know, you got the Amberox now that provides shooting that you know can chaff as well, get in the way. And then you got the Hellstrikers. I think I think it becomes like a like a like a stronger version of it, don't you think? Yeah. Um,
2: it, it's more expensive. That's the issue. I think that Trowbridge uh, really thrived on um, the Great Axes being. Uh, they're they're elite, but they also put out a much bigger hurt for their point for point. Um, I guess they're. I mean, they're same points as legionnaires, but uh, yeah, more axes. They still have Orklings. So, um, but mm. the nerve is all then the next thing. Uh, riff forgers don't have access to the War uh, rally 2 or drum. Oh, so, for the drum. Mm. Yeah. So it uh, then becomes you're, you're more elite. You, you hit better, but you don't survive as long with the, the amount of units that you have. So. Mm-hmm. And I think that uh, more axes especially will suffer without the, the rally two. Yeah. A dash 15 defense four on an elite unit of 175 points seems... Uh, Seems
0: quite fragile. Yeah, the strength of Eric Troubridge's this being in the Great X because they are 25 attacks hit on 3, crush 2 with the with the one-use brutal item. So on its own, they have enough attacks to one-shot a 15-17 defense 5 unit on its own, which is the main strength of that list.
2: And they were effectively a 23-25 nerve.
0: Yep. Yeah, with the drum. That's true. Yeah. With a very poor shooting meta at the time. <laughs> that is also very true. Yeah. <laughs> okay, moving on. Um, Redkin. Redkin. Their shredder now is ignores concealed, which is crap. Um, Burning daughter is still around, but I don't know what the profile is, so I'm not gonna bother about that. So the formation used to be very good because it is basically effectively giving you three extra drops. You can just drop the three units first and then redeploy them at the end in a list that already has lots of drops. It really dominates how you can uh, out deploy your opponent. And with this kind of big nerf to shredder, maybe the, the formation won't be as popular anymore because the formation comes with two shredders. Um, but I do think that Shredder, it got one extra attack that blasts in its uh, last change. So that might still mean it's still okay, even though it's been nerfed like that. Uh, I don't know, but I think it's quite a big deal that you can still this crap now. Um, yeah, Rackin is still a very good list with lots of options. So I think that's still pretty good. Um, yeah, I think that's all i like to say about them. Anyone like to add in? I guess not.
2: <laughs> nah, nah. All right. Rackens always been a good army, so yeah. I think they're
0: just fine. Nothing changed. Yeah. Salamanders. Salamanders, the Kaizenor Lenses Regiment got a five point discount. Those are your cavalry. They are a crushing one, thunderous one unit, but they were not very popular, so they received a discount. Uh, Commodones, effectively the same thing, those cover becomes pure. Uh, They do have the slasher. But instead of having the trombone, because it's gakuta riding them, they don't get the trombone upgrade. Instead, they have their weak ballista upgrade becoming stronger. But it's not the upgrade that we want. Um, I'm trying to flip and find it right now. Um, the base attack was a sharp stick throw, two attacks, hitting on five blast, D3, piercing two, steady aim, but doesn't have ignore cover. Um, the upgrade is 10 points, making it more painful in Piercing Tree and Vicious range. But what it needed is to be able to hit better. So yeah. <laughs> it's kind of a shame. It does have that Unit Strength 2 upgrade of the All Slashes get. Which is good, yeah. Um, the Phoenix received the same changes. And unlike uh, layer the Phoenix... Uh, there's no Semicris in Salamander, so if you like a good healing options, Phoenix has always been it, and so it's a straight-up buff at this point of time. Mm,
3: There's also yeah. one uh, little extra buff as well, that the, the Fire Elements have got a Wild Charge Aura for Salamanders.
0: Ah, uh, that that was in the last uh, uh, edition. Oh, was that in the last that one as well,
1: Yeah, ah, they have okay. an option just for never seen
0: Wild Charge 1, I think, Wild Charge. Okay. Mm. Who, who got that, sorry? Greater Fire Elemental has... Greater Fire oh, element. But only oh. in Salamanders, yeah. Only in Salamanders has a wild charge one for Salamanders. I don't think anyone takes it. Uh, you just take the base oh. Greater Fire Elemental because it's, it's hmm. pretty good since the last edition. They got bumped from melee four to three. So
4: like the Greater Water Elemental getting the... Um,
0: is
1: it the Real to water it.
0: elemental has more text, if I'm not wrong?
4: No, but no, you've got that option of um healing everyone within six inches,
2: radiance of life, radiance or, of life, uh, yeah, water, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: only in yeah. the
4: green lady, yeah, that's what I mean. It came in the same time
2: as that fire yeah. one, yeah. yeah, uh, right
0: yeah. on, yeah. green lady.
3: what
2: wild charger salamander only does seem pretty bad most of your salamanders are a fire. counter charge unit <laughs> yeah they're, they're not charging themselves so. mm-hmm. although i guess with the uh lancers maybe it maybe it's worth it
1: mm-hmm. the oh, lancers
2: have salamander spill spell or special mm-hmm. the rhinos as well i guess mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. okay okay i see all right fire
0: i i never seen much value in uh 14-inch charge
4: range increasing to 15. Mm. Unless you're playing other armies with 14-inch charge range. Very
2: few have it, though. The salamander, so, so
4: unblooded, um, who already have wild charge D3, can get a, a decent threat, chain, threat charge for a very cheap unit. Mm.
0: That's true. Because uh, I like that, uh, how we tend to look at the expensive options and Jeff always look at the cheap options and how to Very get- true,
4: yep. <laughs> <laughs> list normally don't have anything over 200 points. But the latest speaking one.
2: Of speaking of cheap options, though, I think that the Lancers are actually – I thought the Lancers were pretty good before and now yeah. getting reduced in points uh, even more. Like, 190 points for a 14-16 Defense 5 Crush 1 Thunder 1 unit is pretty good. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, they're melee 4, but they make up for it with their 20 attacks instead. Yeah. So, as far as a cavalry unit goes, they're just on par with the other Elite Cav. Um, but they're 10 to 15 points cheaper than most of them, it looks like.
1: Mm. Mm-hmm.
0: So... I think you might see more lancers.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: and I always like the tyrants. Uh, they are also a uh, good hammer option alongside yeah. the more But they don't have that word, do they? Because then
4: they'd be. No, I'm not not nah, saying that nah, they
0: benefit from the
1: wild yeah. charge, but
0: they do already nah. have wild charge d 3 Yeah, yeah, no, no. I was just gonna say just they just seem to have fallen the... out of favor in the increased ripping meta.
1: Yeah.
4: Well, they're going to suffer a bit without, the, without the Pathfinder item, because every Tyrant's had Pathfinder and Strider.
0: It's true. Well, it's they'll fill uh, that. Good thing I only filled one of them. So, uh, okay. <laughs> With the point yeah. discount in the Phoenix, I could buy Strider on
1: Yeah, yeah, on for sure.
0: Yeah, all right. Uh, we'll... Coming close to the finish line, we have la- left two armies. First up is Trident Realm of Neretica. That's yep. Jeff.
1: We'll
4: okay, that so one. the River Guard Dam Busters uh, received a point discount of five points for the regiment and ten for the horde. Uh, still not a fan of them, but they're getting more and more playable. Uh,
3: the cold. <laughs> yeah, giant- <bye. laughs> So I have small, small margins. Every, yeah, every, yeah every small book. margins.
4: They're still not great value. <laughs> no. Uh, the,
0: the melee four is the big kicker for them. Um, Knowing Mantic, they should have went with a much bigger swing in
1: uh
0: in Boston. They have them. Bus, yeah. Uh, models.
3: yeah, they should. Uh, yeah, they're a nice model. Like I would. Yeah. I would buy them. Yeah. But they're just yeah, they're not not very good just not unit good. at the moment. Yeah. yeah.
4: Coral joint mean, at the normal. Uh, Upgrades mm. with the Slayer and Rampage. And the Leviathan's Bane went down 10 points, which, I think, again, I, I like all those options for the bolt thrower type units. They're definitely more playable now. Adds to something because they're, they're not known as a great shooting faction, so it does give them another option. And it's got that uh, thing of pulling the people forward. So you could use them to bring them forward while your combat units are marching up the board nice and quick. Shoot those
0: uh, glade
1: stalkers, different,
4: yeah. They shoot the glade stalkers and bring them forward so they can't back off far enough. It definitely could work, so yeah, they're a great faction. I love Trident Realm, so
0: they're very different, right? Because they have ensnare throughout yeah. most of their units, so you deal with them quite differently from the rest of than dealing with other armies.
2: Yeah. Yeah, no. yeah, you shoot them, right? Just yes. Shoot. <laughs> they, they still hate
4: shooting. Yeah. That, that's one where I did use the
0: banner of aperture.
1: <laughs> yep.
0: Yeah. Yeah, with two team. getting they better, they have stealthy. You see tools more often. Uh, yeah. They do have stealthy. Right, lastly, let's move on to Undead. I'm not sure if any Undead players here. So I'll just read off the changes and you guys can chime in. So river infantry Tri- uh, it's kind of big change like the Reapers. They have minus five attacks on both profiles and a minus 15 and 20 points respectively for um, troop and regiment. Revenant cavalry receive a five point discount as with all Revenant cavalry. And being Billfire catapult, no change effectively being just not obscure. Yeah. It, well,
1: the biggest know, I, one I,
4: is the Soul Reavers, isn't it? That's the one. Yeah, you know, like, but they're still very good, right? I yeah. Think. Yeah. <laughs> Twenty. There's I nothing there to decent point about, really.
1: Yeah. So. They become
4: cheaper, you get a few less attacks. They still hit like a truck.
3: Mm. You know. The undead list still writes itself, in my opinion. Um,
2: <laughs> and there's lots still, of good.
3: Still very good. There. Yeah. yeah.
2: Uh, white... I'd be curious to see how it uh, writes where you guys are from right now there's a clear meta happening uh, specifically in the southern regions of the states so the white... what, what the white spam yeah yeah, yeah. five so, yeah. white hordes six white oh. hordes
3: now nah, that, that's,
2: that's what yeah. that's what we're seeing
3: so Ooh, why uh, why why the sudden rise in that particular list because that list existed beforehand right like it was it isn't a
1: Anything whites haven't changed in sense? the bit, yeah.
2: Yeah, so I think the main thing is that whites. Uh, I think the thing that puts them over the top is the brutal. Um, yeah. So right, right now, points wise and whatnot, there's no reason to take Soul Reaver Infantry over Whites. Uh, like Soul Reaver Infantry are thirty points cheaper, uh, but effectively damage wise, they're they're the exact same, and Whites have. Uh, Speed seven and fly built in, yeah. so why why not take them? Also, yeah, they're shambling, so you potentially can get some uh surge options. Just you know, leave yourself open for surge options anyway, yeah. So,
4: well, once the game start uh, mixes up, that's when they are surging in, isn't it? And
2: exactly, that,
3: yeah, it's yeah. Massive- so, I mean, so was the argument then the extra five attacks at 255 points, 250 points? Made them more viable choice compared to whites. Is that is that was is, is that the argument?
2: Yeah. So effectively, uh, Soul Reaver Infantry could uh, had the overkill power, so they could run into almost anything in the game in the front and pick it up. Yeah. Now whites, they don't necessarily have that hitting power, but compared to a twenty attack Soul Reaver Infantry, they're they're very very similar.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah, I do think. Um, I heard that whites were always meant to receive a nerve to the brutal, that means they should have had their brutal, yeah. removed, but it never happened. So, with everything else going down in power level, whites are being more prominent. Yeah, yeah, they're yeah. still the most prominent one in the list I've seen. They're, they're the main ones. That I, I still, I still would, uh approve of the soul river change in the loss of attacks and points because in the mid tables or even in newbie games they are quite dominating like people will underestimate fail to kill off the soul river infantry and then you'll just one shot everything and if you can't turn around stuff to deal with it fast enough you'll just keep healing too by life leaching and then yeah. it's right. a, a terrible experience at lower tables yeah i mean
3: like arguably soul reaver inventory you can screen a bit better as well um you know compared to whites who are who are taller yeah whites are fearless which is always always good uh but you can screen the soul reavers um you know compared to whites i think it's still very good like you know yeah i I think that's an interesting observation just um from that five attacks seeing the the rise of just white spam instead being because of that that marginal efficiency i suppose
4: I personally uh, if I had yeah. to pick the two, I'd still be going whites over the twenty-five attack ones. Just the, the other mm. I mean bonuses
2: speed seven get. fly. Yeah. Speed seven fly is actually very powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, especially with the changes to the, the multi-charging ability. Um, it, it will allow you to get uh, units like a horde of zombies or legions Excuse of zombies. Me <laughs> you can get units like that to sink into the front lines of the enemy and just sit there and grind. And then in previous edition, you wouldn't be able to do a double charge. Once your, you know, zombies are in the front and your whites want to hit a flank by flying over. So, but now the zombies can slide if need be, and the whites can close the door and hit that flank. So I think that you're going to see, uh, a change potentially in the in the way you look at combats, and possibly you want those units that stick around for more than one turn as the chaff front lining type units.
0: Right. Um, yeah, I'm not sure if overall undead really required moreness because you don't see. You you don't see them in the top tables anymore, but this was a change that was a long time coming, but it's just unfortunate that it's happening now when uh, they're not in the top tables.
1: That
3: is interesting, right? Like, I mean, I'm not sure that's necessarily a reflection of the strength of undead, because if you look at all their units, they're all still very good. Like, you know, yeah. and I think they're all they're all viable. Like, wraiths are viable, white's are viable. You know, revenant Kev, uh, you know, are viable in terms of like the troops, things like that. You know, um, they, you know, like almost all their like zombie trolls as well. That, that's that, yeah. that's a viable selection as well with the you know the vicious. Yeah. I feel like I think just the are... number
4: of top players playing it really.
3: Yeah. I think it's almost yeah. like it's just the player deciding to pick it up, you know, and you yeah. probably see the result. And I think as a faction, like I would kill to have Silver River infantry in EOD, right? Like, you know, that like a fast, smashy, you know, sort of sort of sort of unit, right? Like a hammer, you know, that's not just guardians. Um and I think like the what undead really sort of represent is just a, I think a really strong, well-rounded faction in, in any selection. I, I think you could do well with any sort of, any sort of unit in, the, in in that list, you know, without necessarily having to go, you know, white spam, but you know, that's maybe that's looking yeah. at how the Australians sort of play with a bit more, bit more mixed, less, less spam in that sense. I don't know, but
1: yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. Well, and, uh, you know, I, I agree that, uh, the only reason why undead haven't performed well at top tournaments is that the top players aren't picking them up basically. Um, But if the two players that have recently been playing that white spam continue, um, you're going to see them win tournaments because it was Brad McKay, former us master who was playing the six horde white spam. And then (laughs) it's uh, Dustin Howard, uh, former U.S. Paragon winner for Masters, um, who has also finished top five, top ten several years at U.S. Masters. Uh, he was playing five hordes of whites and one horde of zombie trolls with the bruise sharpness. So yeah. basically six hordes of whites. Yeah. All, All right.
3: right. It's the one he painted in a day, is that right? Or whatever, in a week or whatever. Yeah, it was...
2: <laughs> it was like a week or a month or something like that. Yeah, it it's a gorgeous looking army and he painted it in a ridiculously short period of time. So
1: mm. with that It um, would be we'll, scary to face, must <laughs> We'll
0: we'll see how it performs. It is quite expensive whites at 260, although they're very good. So we'll see how it performs. Yeah. With that, I'll just round things up by saying that there are some mistakes in the books. Um, once again, we got this information from Michael C. Carter's blog. If, until somebody loses an eye, he listed some of the mistakes. Uh, one thing I do remember from the siege rules, if you're playing siege, the walls are 18-20 not 8-10. and 10. It's a huge difference. Uh, <laughs> in elves, Madriga is ignores, concealed now instead of ignores, covered. Cover which so she's trash. <laughs> Silver Breeze Cavalry in Silver Kin should receive the discount, same as the elves. Um, forces of all, all Scotch Wings should be irregular. Mark should be 220 points. That's a living legend. And uh, Trident Realm of Narrative Death Horde Horror Eternal should still have fury. And yes, with that, uh, that concludes our review of the Big Red Book. I would just like to end off by saying uh, if, uh, not if, but when 4th edition is in the works, I do hope that a lot of things get reworked on or looked at individually because the sweeping changes of inspiring conditional becoming inspiring unconditional, Uh, it made suddenly a lot of units viable and suddenly a lot of units not viable at the same time. So a lot of casters that don't have inspiring became much less viable, standard bearers become much less viable. So I know it, it's a fixed mid-edition fix, but if you're doing fourth edition, you should look at every profile and decide whether they should have inspiring or not. Uh, same as the arcane of library and the arcane or whatever, <laughs> arcane norm, library of arcane knowledge. Spells. I think you should look at every individual caster and decide which of these spells they should have access to.
1: Yeah,
2: I would. I would personally say with that inspiring that I think every hero option in the game should at the very least have self inspiring, because mm-hmm. if you're a hero and you can't inspire yourself, uh, it seems a little obscure to me. So. And then potentially seeing uh, inspiring change into uh, you you could have various differences of inspiring, like a 3-inch, 6-inch, 9-inch bubble, um, and then make the inspiring talisman just bump up your uh, aura range, potentially. Um, I think that would allow you to see a large variety of characters and uh, viability as well for all those characters
0: definitely well uh we've come to the end of the show it's been a long episode it's gonna be a mega one so thank you all for staying to the end i know that it has uh, way overshot our expected recording time um so just any shout outs or any last words that you guys like to say so i
4: enjoyed it
0: and uh, learned a lot myself doing it so it's been good
3: yeah, yeah. thanks for the invite page
0: yeah it's good it's like a list yeah, thank- uh, building workshop at the same time on top yeah. of discussing the changes. Yeah. Well, thank you for, uh, for having us page. It's been a pleasure.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes.
0: Uh, it's been a uh, pleasure and honor to have uh, such esteemed uh, people on the show as well. So I'll just end things off with, if you're watching this on YouTube to like subscribe and hit the bell icon. If you're listening to this on a podcast to drop a positive review i do have a patreon as well for cover, for doing this content so if you uh like to please check it out and with that i'll end the show goodbye everybody
3: thanks see ya Bye. Bye. Bye.